Welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and we are in round 16, turn 6. This week, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a treat. We are going to review a well-loved GMT game from 2017, a game called Time of Crisis, quite possibly the most GMT name in the history of GMT game naming. Seriously, uh, I have a question for the audience. This is going to be a quiz. If I told you that we were going to play a game called Time of Crisis, would you think the game would be set in A, Ancient Egypt, B, Ancient Greece, C, the War of the Roses, D, the French Revolution, or E, World War I? Please enter your guesses now. The correct answer is none of the above. It is during the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, I thought it was going to be in your household. It was online. so close. Well, it, it definitely could be. Uh, and after reviewing that, we're going to talk about the, the joys of hand management, which is a favorite mechanism of ours that does feature prominently in time of crisis. But before that, let me introduce my co-host. Number one is Madame GMT herself, Candace Harris. How are you, Candace? Hey, Tom. <laughs> good to... Doing well. Doing well this morning. Oh, it's good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, you know, we, we didn't have a game night last night, so uh, hopefully everybody got more sleep. Or I don't know. You got. I guess you had your own game night, didn't you? Yeah, I had uh, my own little game night. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. And also in the uh, second spot with his second guest spot on the pod, Mike Smokescreen Kennernick. How you doing, Mike? Yeah, second time lucky. That's right. Papoof. How you doing, sir? Puff of, I've just flown in with a puff of puff of smoke, ready to go. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, a canister of something devious. So this Flares. is this is odd. I feel like I have more energy than usual because I did not have my usual. We record Saturday mornings ten to, and uh, we game on Friday nights. Is is my usual game night. Um, and it can go quite late depending on, on things. So usually, um, my over buoyant, uh, energy is dimmed, but it is not currently dimmed. It is currently at full, full volume. Uh, the reason is my daughter has come down with COVID for the second time. Uh, I knew on Monday that we were in trouble because she said, Ugh, this, this boy who sits next to me in like three different classes, I just got the alert that he had COVID. I'm like, okay, well, uh, well, no. guess what? You have COVID. She goes, no, I don't think I have COVID. I feel fine. I said, in two days, you were going <laughs> I'm just like, I, I know what's going to happen. Uh, you I, knew it. I kind of had a feeling, and sure enough, she started feeling bad. And uh, yeah, so uh, out of an abundance of caution, I'm feeling fine. Everyone else in the family is feeling fine. She, her case is mild, so it's not a big deal. Um, but out of abundance of caution, because especially with Omicron, you, you know, you, you don't test positive for the first couple of days. You're, you're able to transmit that virus and still test negative. So we want to be extra, yeah, the extra timing careful. is, yeah, it's bad. It's, it's, it's not, it's not great. And oh, the poor girl, she, it was her last day of school yesterday. So she missed the last two days. So she has to, a final that she's going to have to make up over the summer. And she's like, my summer oh, is man. just destroyed. Awful. Bummer. It is. It is. It's. It's. It's kind of. It's kind of awful. But at the same time, uh, it, it is good that her case is is mild, and you know the she's 
double vaxxed and you know she has everything that she, she should mm-hmm. have to take this from a killer to a manageable uh, a manageable illness so yeah we're kind of living with it now i mean i have to you know rebook some travel because people just come down covid so that's you know yeah it's just kind of we're living with it yeah that's what you got to do no no question about yeah. it yeah uh, candace how you doing what th- what are, how, what things are going on over there uh, I'm doing pretty well, just uh, been busy as usual, and yeah, the, the COVID thing has, like, I feel like I'm anxious about it all the time because of just fear of missing out. Like, since the beginning of the year, I'm like, oh, I have this trip to Joshua Tree, please don't get COVID, please don't get COVID, so, okay, whew, I made it to that. Oh, now I'm worried. My mom's coming to visit. Please don't get COVID. Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm living that way. And then when I had it and I missed the GMT warehouse weekend in April, I was so bummed out. Like, I'm like, this is a very much a first world problem. You know, I was fine. It was a mild cold, but it was just like such a bummer. And now, of course, I'm anxious about, you know, making sure I don't have COVID in October when the GM, when the next warehouse weekend is, because I really, really want to go even more now because well, I you, missed you, the uh, April one. I mean, you're Madame GMT. I mean, how, how could you not go? Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll ask Gene to reschedule if I, if, if I happen to get sick or something. Of course. <laughs> yes, he'll do it. He'll do it. You're, you're one of their bigger boosters. And how about you, Mike? How things going, my man? Going great, Tom. Going great. We, you know, I'm I'm <coughs> trudging along, uh, trying to get in as many games as possible. The uh, the wonderful world of gaming is, uh, is 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 in my heart at all, at all times to uh, get me, you know, get me from here to the uh, from A to B, morning to morning to night. I will say that, that you and I have been gaming for at least a dozen years, if not closer to two dozen. <laughs> and something happened recently that was the first time this has ever happened. Time of Crisis, the game we are going to review today, was taught to me by Mike Kananak. I feel like I have taught nice. Mike 500 well, yeah, games, and I've never from, been taught from my before. brother Claude. I got some help from Claude. No, Did you, though? Okay, because here's the thing. <laughs> Claude has a. Does Claude have a PhD in ancient he, cultures? He ha, yeah, he's Doctor. He's Doctor Roman. Yes, Doctor, he's, he's. So here's Doctor what happens. Ancient Rome. Here's what happens when the Canonac brothers teach this game. Mike starts very clearly and 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 carefully laying out the rules and how you play the game, and Claude is just is the color commentary who's yeah. piping in with, oh, you know that legion in particular. Uh, there, there was a there was quite a scandal with them. I believe in. <laughs> I believe in 148. I believe they had a big problem there, where uh, they they got they got caught with their uh, their fingers yeah. in the. Uh, well, let's just put it this way: the the Carthaginian uh, cookie jar, so to speak. And I'm like, Claude, that's fantastic. I need to learn the rules of the game. So just just it, how yeah. about you fill He's- all of this color commentary in during the game? I need to understand the rules. He is flavor. He is. He is flavor text to the max. He certainly is. He was. That's I mean, awesome. Maximus Claudius. I mean, he could. He could tell you Absolute. the batting average of any of the legions yeah. and you know the the various em- emperors and every event that comes out. He's like, oh yeah, that was a real. That was a real problem in the time. You, the thing they don't tell yeah. you about on that card, and it'll just go off. It was like amazing. It was. It was really like playing with a, a, a historian talking you through the the thing. So that was fantastic. But Mike, no, you were the one who taught the game no question about it if anything yeah no, was a I, net I, negative on know, that side 
Yeah. No, I, I, I hope I helped with the mechanisms. And, and clearly, Tom, when we get to the review, you, you, you grokked it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I I, uh, I had runaways both games. But will I, I did I did uh, yeah. I did good, uh, or did I just roll well? We will discuss that yes. later. We're gonna yes. find out what that is. Um, Candace, what you said earlier about uh, about not wanting to get COVID because you have a trip coming up. Uh, yeah, this Thursday, um, myself and Trey and friend of the podcast Matt Number Two, Matt Patterson, and friend of the podcast Mark. Now we are all flying to Indianapolis for a mini LARP convention that we're going to be in, and we're all running games in it and all that sort of stuff. Cool. And I'm like, oh, my daughter has COVID. Ah, oh. I'm like. Okay. Oh yeah, stress, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm God. Either give it to me right now, or don't, or <laughs> or don't give it to me. Okay, because if you if you wait until what happened last time, my wife, you know, is a kindergarten teacher. There's no possibility she's not going to eventually get COVID. There's just she just has too many people, too many contacts, too many runny noses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to happen. Um, so when she got COVID. She was on day five, like just right at the tail end, just about out of it. When my daughter started feeling bad, I'm like, "Oh no, oh no!" And then two, oh. days, and then two days after that, I started feeling bad because I was the, the, the basically this whole caretaker for that week, and I and I was like, "That's what I don't want. What I don't want is for somebody else to catch it at the tail end." So we're trying to be we're trying to be real careful because I really want to make the game convention. I'll talk about more of that when we talk about uh, this week's game night. Matter of fact, how about we just do that? How about we talk about Game night. Well, as we said, I haven't played a game this week. I had, uh, I was, I was over. Over however many games were played, but you guys played some games. Candace, let's start with you. What what uh, what did you play this week? Yeah, so Tuesday night, I finally cracked open my copy of Carnegie Deluxe. Um, I originally had played it back on TTS when it was on Kickstarter or like just before the Kickstarter launch. Yep. And then I played it on BGA, and I loved it. And of course, like all Kickstarters, it took you know, a while to get here. And I'm like, oh, am I still going to like still love it? And uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah. I forget who was talking about it uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but uh, I'm blown away by the components and how, yeah, you don't have to punch a single thing. There are all these like trays where you just hand each player their tray Um yeah, it was it was really cool. I ended up playing with uh, Jennifer Elder and uh, a listener slash friend of the pod, uh, Jordan. Oh, that's, um, a, that's a great yeah, group. Do you know Jordan? That's a, yes, I do. Yeah, that's a fantastic group. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Elder and I ended up tying for first. Ooh! And guess what happens when you tie for first? Um, well, it is a game of brutal capitalism, so obviously you don't end in a tie. Uh, does it come down to whoever has the most money left over at the end? You would think, but we just shook hands. No. The, you, there's no tiebreaker rules. What? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was an exciting game. 
Um, I kind of I'm I'm looking forward to playing that one more because we played a four player game in two hours. Right. Not- and I yeah I think it's like just a fun experience. A lot of little interesting decisions with the timing of when to take certain actions, mm-hmm. when someone might trigger, like when you can uh, pay for sponsors or sponsor, you know, get those end game uh, points and everything. It was, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm still a fan of the game. And mm-hmm. I realized, you know, I forgot that Xavier Georges also designed Gankopolis and oh, yeah. Carson City, which I really enjoy also. And I also like Twa. So, yeah, it's, it was cool. he's in your he's in your wheelhouse. He's definitely one of the games. Yeah. So when I played it on TTS and we did did sort of a preview review of it in that state, I did have concerns. Did you have concerns back then, or were you kind of always kind of all in for Carnegie? No, I did not have concerns. Okay. And at this point, I know some things changed since then. Yeah. Uh, but. I think especially they threw in, I don't know if it's just the deluxe edition, but there's uh, another set of departments that they have. Good. And like we, all four of us, like we barely built out departments. So I'm like, I think there's a whole bit to explore where you try different combinations of different departments and just go more like heavy on getting departments and seeing how the game feels there. Sure, sure. But um so you guys were were map heavy instead of department heavy. We were a little more map heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there were some interesting things going on on the map. Like Elder was able to make all five links, so he got that maximum amount of victory points for you know the map link section. Yep, I think yep. it was like thirty six points. Um, I usually like to get the pink buildings out. I think the bridges. Yep. Uh, because they generate victory point income so i was kind of like leading the game most of the game until the end game scoring kicked in Interesting. and then and elder did, tie and, it's it's and, really a great game I, I i had my first play of it uh um well, i was supposed to be just playing agricola matt but uh we actually we got it in <laughs> during his uh agricola on the uh, farmer on the clock tower uh, birthday game day um before we went into uh, heavy agricola and it was it was great. I'm I'm dying to play some more of it. We we did. I was Paul, me and Dimitri, and we did build out a lot of the a lot of the um the offices, and uh, you know, and, and it's just a it's a good dynamic. Do you move those guys? Do you, you know so rich rich decision spaces and and kind of cool mechanisms that seem unique yet uh, in uh, you know um, symbiotic. I'm really eager to play it because I, I have not played the the release version and uh, and, and my comments when the uh, when the original on TTS was was out were that I thought that this had the potential to be a real just amazing amazing game but right now it's not quite there because of these few little issues and it sounds like they addressed a lot of issues so I can't wait to to, to see what uh, Xavier did. Yeah, and I, I don't think that uh, I feel it's amazing or anything. But I enjoy it. I like. I just enjoy it a lot, and I like that you can play it in two hours or less. You know, I think that's that's, that's really great. cool for yeah for all the kind of uh, decisions it throws at you and the player interaction and everything. And yeah, managing managing your workers like when to put a lot of workers out versus 
moving them up and how to place them. Like, yeah, I, I, I really dig it. But I'm not saying I think it's amazing. Okay, fine. I, like I'm, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Then I think you guys played a game of uh, Time of Crisis this week as well. Yes. Which we will. Well, let's let's save that one for the review. And then yeah, on, we'll save that. And then that on was, Friday, I may be out, but that doesn't mean game night's not going to happen, right? Did you guys do a, a right. game night without me? Yeah. So so basically, as a result of our time of crisis game on Wednesday, we were like, let's do this again. So it was uh, me, my Matt, Matt three, <laughs> uh, Mike, Fonda. And my, <laughs> Fonda. Yeah, exactly. My friend and my friend AJ. Uh, came by and the four of us played and we had a great time, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but we were like, let's let's play this again, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up getting together. You know, once you uh, had to cancel game night, we were like, let's play on Friday. But then then it turned into a couple of us wanted to also play Railways because Ben's got me addicted to that uh, and everybody apparently. Uh, so we we're like, all right, let's play Railways. And but then it ended up jumping into uh, Battle for Rokugan, which took a little longer than we were expecting. So we didn't have the stamina to play Railways. So we didn't play Railways or Time of Crisis on Friday. <laughs> but Mike, do you want to talk about what we played? Yeah, uh, what, what Candice? What was the name of that uh, sort of the the hand management game? Yeah. We played before uh, before we played uh, Battle for uh, Rokugan. Yeah. So so Mike was on his way down, running a little uh, late. No, not Mike was running down, running a little late. Matt <laughs> couldn't join us immediately. And I was like, we have to play Battle for Rokugan with four players. So I was like, let's get something else out. And uh, AJ and I were like looking on the shelf and AJ wanted to play this game, which is called Dale of Merchants. Uh, it's an older, uh, not super old, but a deck building racing game that has this like wild variety of different uh, animal decks that you pick a certain amount of decks and you know if you want like more nasty player interaction or if you want more of this type of experience you can mix and match these decks so it's called uh dale of merchants mike dale of merchants what was dale of merchants like mike so dale of merchants um you get uh you you have a marketplace of cards uh, which is always, you know, a cool, cool mechanism for, uh, and and you you on your action, you want to you want to buy them. You start out with a with a deck of one power cards. Uh, some of them are characters that can do special things. Some of them are, are animals, and some of them are just you know junk uh, junk in your, <laughs> uh, you know, in 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 the tr- in the trunk. Um, you know, just to whatever you can find in your couch to try and uh, try and you know build your deck, uh, more powerful cards. But what you're also trying to do is stall these cards. So you have to um, go from one to eight. Is it, Candace? Yes. Yeah, you have to be able to stall the cards, meaning you can kind of like um, tucking a card in, in Glory to Rome. Uh, is your uh, but 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 it's part of a end game completion. You're racing to build your eighth stall, and you see the the card numbers only go from one to five. So obviously you're going to need to combo it after the fifth card. Right uh, after after f- yeah. after stall number five, and the rule is you have to combo it with the same color card. So am I getting I'm, I'm sort of yeah yeah right? um, <laughs> yeah and, and 
and there's some wacky take that powers that that your characters have um that some of the cards have uh some of them are sort of uh, technique cards where you can you can uh, pull from your deck uh something cool uh or uh, discard so that you can get through your uh your 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 just junky cards because the ju the junky cards you want to you want to cull mm. and you want to get rid of and this yeah. you know it it sort of lends in we can talk more about this game a little bit in the in the in the hand hand management but it combines deck building with hand management in in kind of a cool way uh, I think. E yeah, because like what what the stalling that Mike was talking about, like that's one of your actions, and it's basically a set collection. So you have eight stalls, and it's like the first player to get to completing eight stalls wins the game. When you do a stall action, you do the next number in sequence. You have to have that value of cards, a stack of cards, which a stack could just be one card, but that exact value and all of the animals or, color, you know, suits of the card have to match. So mm -hmm. I could put like a, a level one owl card or something, you know, in my stall one. Now for stall two, I could either put a single two card. Well, I could never actually, I'm not going to say never because there's so many things that can break rules, <laughs> um, but you would put like a two card, which you would need to buy from the market at some point. But when you're doing this, as you're stalling, uh, you're thinning your deck. So, so there's like this whole balance of trying to uh, buy enough cards and a variety of cards so that you can stall. And then there's also some tension where people are uh, building your decks. And then it's like when the first person takes a stall, it's like, oh, crap, I better start stalling or else they're going to get ahead. And so it's, it has this like really cool racing feel to it. And it's just a, it's a light deck building game with, uh, played, you know. Yeah, played yeah. really well with three. Uh, yeah. You know, the cards, the cards are cute. Um, you know, the, the artwork's really nice on the cards and um, funny. You know, there's a pie in the face kind of card. There's a, you know, there's, <laughs> Literally. There's, a, there's, a, there's a couch, you know, where you can get, you know, extra, extra cards out of the side of the couch or whatever. And, um yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. It was definitely enjoyable. I'm, I'm messed up on part of the rules. That's why I didn't win. Clearly, is that is that why? That was um, the, that's the only reason. Yeah, that's why. Uh, okay, that's why. Yeah, of that's, course, of course. That's, that's, that's the only reason. Tell me about Battle for Rokugan. What, what did you guys think of Battle for Rokugan? Candace, oh, Candace I assume you played it many times before, right? Yes. No, I've never played it. Is that and right? That was the whole. Yeah, that yeah, was good. the whole thing. So. This game kind of fell on my radar earlier this year when I was watching, I think on Homo Ludens, there was a episode where it was like top, uh, a couple people were together for their top five underrated uh, war games. And someone had this game on their list and I was like, what is that? And then so I had to track down a copy. So I've had a copy since probably right after Dice Tower West. So maybe like Mar late March, April. And I haven't gotten a chance to play it. And I was like, this is the group. I was like, if we're not going to play Time of Crisis, like this is the group to try this with. And it is just awesome. You know, if you like games like Game of Thrones, you are basically, it's an area control game where we're, we're Japanese daimyos. Uh, it's, it's pretty abstract. But you have these combat tokens, and you have like a deck of them face down. We all have screens, and you draw each round. You draw uh, up to six behind your screen, and in your your uh, tokens, you always have access to a bluff token. But you're basically placing tokens places on the map. Like if I point into a region that you have control of, Tom, 
that means I'm attacking you. I could be bluffing. You know, I could have nothing there. And then all of a sudden now you start like being like, maybe I should put some defense in that province. So, you know, we go around the table placing face down combat tokens and then we resolve them. And then there are some special ones. But like the mind games is so, yeah, the mind games are so, so good. Like Matt was still talking about it this morning and, you know, Matt's more of a casual gamer, but he, (laughs) he, he like loved it as well. He's a tourist. He's a tourist. Um, it's, my it's my like question Tom, is, is why whenever whenever anyone is is putting out an example of attacking someone in a game, why am all, I always the person you use as the example? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's a whole nother member topic. Right? Yeah, it is. That's like a whole show, Tom. Mike, um, you love but, it, but but it's kind of Tom. It's kind of like uh, you know, a, amalgamation of like El Grande, like having the Castile, the 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 fog of war is so thick. Yeah, in this game, and so genius that um, you can you can plop down your naval your naval army um, just anywhere and and bluff that it's a <laughs> shinobi just flying in to a territory from from wah, where, wherever. So it, it's it's unbelievable the amount of uh, duplicity that can happen and. And, uh, and and we didn't get into sort of the meta of the negotiation. We could have at one point where me and AJ could have kind of peacefully said, okay, because because once you set everything, you can't pick up and say, okay, right. if I don't... Well, if I My power could do the swap, though, remember? <laughs> well, that's true. There, there are some two you know, down cool, tokens. cool asymmetrical powers with the... With the, with the um, the class, the faction of, of, of samurai that you have, um, uh, the, the feudal lords, and, and there's, there's territories. And, man, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful game. Wow. Definitely, yeah. definitely down to play that again and, and, and again and, and, uh, and, and pick it up, I think. 2017 yeah. game, uh, by Fantasy Flight put it out. Uh, Battle for Rokugan. Check it out. Yeah, Fantasy Flight, just with cardboard. Right. And I, I will yeah, say no, no minis a, or anything. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bit of, um, you know, you know, it's the Castilla moment in, in El Grande where you don't know where it's going to come and you don't know, you know, which territory those, those uh, cubes are going to, uh, you know, the cubes are going to go, the, the, the caballeros are going to go. And combined with the abstractness of, uh, is it, uh, what was it, Babylonia? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of that. that. Yeah. 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 There's one other thing we should mention about it, too, is, so as you're taking control of territories or uh, provinces, um, multiple provinces make up a territory, and at the end of the round, if you control a, a whatever uh, territories you control, you can gain access to a special territory card which gives you kind of a special ability. And they're all like every card you get in this game is like a one-time use. Like once you use it, that's, that's gone. But if you don't, if you choose not to use it and it comes around to the next round, you could lose it or somebody could take it from you. Um, And the other cool thing with the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And the other cool thing with the cards is that there are two of each uh, for each territory. There are two different cards and you randomly, pick one and put it face down when you play the game. So you don't even know what the which is. abilities are going to be out there really. Oh, so yeah, it, it's, 
it's really good. The one other thing was that uh, besides each clan having their own special ability, they each also have a special combat token. And we kind of like didn't even realize that till we were in the middle of the game. Because I had a second raid token, which basically let me scorch the earth of a space. And like everybody's tokens were removed and nobody could place anything in those spaces anymore for the rest of the game. And I was able to do that twice where most pe- most factions only could place it once if they happened to draw that token. Wow. So it's, she was, it's she was awesome. scorching herself and we were like, what's going <laughs> on? Nobody's here? getting what's, this territory. Yeah, well, exactly. And I can't have it. Nobody will have it. And of course, her end game, <laughs> her end game card was the fewest territories. You know? And, yeah. The, the and now we start to see what, uh, what, yeah. where the designer comes in. Because this is designed by Molly Glover and Tom Jolly. And Tom Jolly, for those of you who are old school, uh, he invented Wiz War, one of the like way before the Euro Revolution happened. He was designing like the probably the quintessential seventies eighties uh, a board game that was not one of the normal board games that you would get at the very beginning of the hobby game. He is a brilliant, brilliant designer that loves to figure out how manageable chaos can inf- infect a system. He's great at it. Oh, amazing! Amazing. Cool. Yeah, I'll bring it. I'll bring it to your uh, to your next game night. Heck yeah! Um, that when you're back, yeah, it's it, really cool. It fits my playstyle perfectly. I want to uh, play it. It does. Time. It does. I was <laughs> like, I don't. I was. I was like, I don't want to play Tom or Paul in this. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't want to do it. Oh come on! It'll be <laughs> but fun. But I will. But I will. It'll but be you fun. will. Uh, yeah, you got a one game. You got a one game mastery on me, so that's a, you, you, it's a good it's a good balancing. Um, let's get to the news, folks. We got a few news items this week. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Alpha South America, and all the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press News. We have left the spring, ladies and gentlemen. We are in June, and what that means is we are starting the ramp up to the convention. Uh, se- uh, season for us, for our hobby. Uh, and with that, I want to let you know that on Wednesday, this Wednesday, June 15th at 3 p.m. Central Time. Why does anybody use Central Time? That's weird. Uh, say, oh, I know why, because that's where the convention is. Uh, BGGCon 2022, uh, which will be held at the Hyatt Regency Dallas on November 9th through the 13th. November 9th through the 13th, uh, it's always the two weekends before Thanksgiving, um, it will be held. In years past, uh, you have seen Trey there. You have seen me there. You've seen Candace there. You've seen Jennifer there. You've seen a lot of uh, a lot of us there. And I would, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I would I would guess you will see a lot of us there this year as well. It's a really fun convention that is dedicated solely to board games and the kind of board games that we love and adore. I've had such a great time every time. Candace, did we have a blast last time we were there? We did. We did. And again, casual gamer Matt, like he had such a good time. Like we ended up bonding a lot with Trey and Tom. They took us around and got some good food, you know, and you guys did all the homework in terms of like learning Arc Nova, learning Messina. And, you know, I just came in and sat down at the table. So it was a real treat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a fun time. Yeah. 
yeah, Trey and I do our homework like a month before we figure out what games are going to be in the hot games room. Those are the ones that aren't quite out yet and you can't really find. And then we learn the rules for them, or we were supposed to. I said, okay, I'm going to learn the rules for these four, and you learn the rules for these two, and you learn the rules. And we get there, and we're like, did you do any of them? Like, no, not really. I mean, I kind of kind of won. And I was like, yeah, same here. But we, we figured it out. <laughs> Eventually. They have people there to teach teach these games, too. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. They have a huge, huge uh, game library that you can check games out. Every night we would we would check out a, a game and, and play something. Uh, just a really, really fun time. This Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time is when the tickets go on sale. Uh, they don't sell out in the first day, especially in the age of COVID. Uh, but better to get them early because they do eventually sell out. And yeah, and, I yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say yeah. I heard when I was at uh, BGG Spring, I heard that a uh, a lot of people were like, "Oh, I tried to go to Fall and it sold out," and I was like, "Oh, like I didn't realize that was a." thing but yeah yeah i listen i don't want to say how quickly it, it sells out but reasonably quickly i would i'm gonna buy uh day of that's for sure i'm gonna buy on, on wednesday for sure uh yeah at hyatt regency dallas which is like a big sprawling place that's kind of isolated from uh from from the rest of dallas so it's kind of like this little fortress of board gaming um <laughs> you know the, the only yeah, other thing to do that. is you, you go to Dealey plaza and uh you know, check out all the QAnon people that believe uh, John F. Kennedy, not Junior, but John F. Kennedy himself, who's 115 years old if he was alive, is about to come back and show his face there. I kind of want to. I kind of want to LARP that. I kind of want to like if somebody could do old age makeup, and I could come out as John F. Kennedy. Era, thank you for your support. Your <laughs> thank you, QAnon. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> Um, that would be, but but ha- ha- like half of his body is in a Dalek. Oh. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, we are starting to hear the games that are going to be debuting or will be available for purchase at Gen Con, which is uh, which is coming up in just a little bit. Um, and one of those is a game from 2020, a Japanese game by uh, Munyuki Yokuchi. And it's called Cat in the Box. A deluxe edition of Cat in the Box is being put out by Bezier Games, by uh, Ted Alsbach and Bezier Games. Um, the reason I bring it up is because it is a very interesting game. Supposedly, it is a trick-taking game from Japan that is based on quantum mechanics. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, what it means is you have a hand of cards and they only have numbers. They don't have suits. And each round, you are going to bid how many tricks you are going to win, knowing only the numbers and the cards that you have. And when you play a card, it's only when you play a card that you declare what color it is, what suit it is. And it creates this odd little feedback loop where you can't pick... If you were to pick the same number and color as another player... You've created a Can't parad. You've created a paradox. You've created. Right, it's a, it's a, it would be a horrible thing for for that to happen. Um, a really uh, the people that people that I know that have played it have said it is one of the most unique uh, card trick taking games that they have ever seen. Really unique. Really interesting. And. Man, there are some amazing things that are being put out in Japan, and I'm glad that little by little we're starting to uh, we're starting to get some access to them. So, cat in the box, check it out. 
Um, yeah, Tom, I have actually played it before, what? and I actually have a copy of the original version. How did? Uh, really? <laughs> Are yeah, you yeah, serious? I was like, wait, I was, I was waiting. I didn't. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he knows. I'm, Omni, okay. I didn't know Omni, that. Omnia all the time. Omni gamer. Yeah. Just tell me about shame. it. So, so there's, there's a listener of the podcast, Jonah, who hit me up after I talked about Scout at some point. and was like, oh, you like trick-taking games. Let me show you some trick-taking games. I forget what the website is, but there's a, uh, there's a uh, website that you can play a bunch of different trick-taking games um, on. And we played at some point Cat in the Box. And I was like, this is – and there was another game, too. That I can't remember the name. It was German that I've been trying to get my hands on. But it was, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Not only do you have this thing where, you know, you're playing a trick-taking game with cards that have no suits and, you know, you're trying to get a certain amount, but there's a whole little area control thing going. Because every time you play a card and say, oh, this is a blue seven, um, you put a little one of your pieces, your markers, your tokens onto a board that's kind of like a a little like pyramid grid kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so part of the game is you're trying to make uh, a connection, a t- contiguous like connection of your pieces on this board, but you only get bonus points from that area control if you meet your bid. So <laughs> so there's like you're you're kind of like juggling these two things, but it's yeah, it's definitely probably by far one of the best trick-taking games I've ever played, and as soon as they, even though I was able to find someone who had a copy and was very nice um, to give me their copy, um, I have already pre-ordered the deluxe version, so highly, highly recommend it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and it's coming. It's going to be here this summer at at Gen Con. It's going to be available in the U.S., so holy cow, I didn't even know you had it. That's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next up, um, if you like the Undaunted series, uh, there is a new one, Undaunted Stalingrad. Um, so there was Undaunted Normandy, there was Undaunted uh, North Africa. Now it is Stalingrad, which is going to be a real challenge. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. But uh, Stalingrad, for those who don't know, was the deadliest battle in World War II. An estimated 2 million people died in that one battle. Now, that one battle lasted approximately five to six months, but it was it was a meat grinder, and it was an urban warfare environment, which for games like this, which are basically platoon-level uh, strategy and tactics games, uh, or urban warfare is, first of all, hard to simulate, but also, when it works, is amazing because there's so many strategic decisions that go into every single thing you do. So, you you forgot to mention one, which was the Undaunted Reinforcements, which oh, that's yes. the newest expansion that came out and adds uh, solo play and also uh, team play, uh, which I'm actually planning to try out finally uh, next week. Woo. I'm excited about that. But uh, one cool thing was uh, when when I back when I did my interview with uh, David Thompson for Cardboard Creations, that is when he initially mentioned this expansion to me, and it was before it was like public. So <laughs> I was I was just drooling um, because it's it sounds like awesome. Like instead of having you put stickers on the board if a building blows up, they have 
tiles for everything. So it's like, no, you built, blew up that building. Now you're going to play with this tile and you can level up your soldiers and everything. And they have cards where they will show them aging. And I was just like, this sounds incredible. And I already love the game, like the whole system and oh, series yeah. so much. It's just, yeah. So I'm, I'm highly, highly anticipating this release. Very excited about it. And yeah, cannot wait. You know, you know what's sad? I, I gave, Claude uh, for his birthday last October, um, Undaunted Norm, I, th I believe it was Normandy and uh, Africa, North and Africa. we still haven't. We, yeah, North Africa, and we still haven't gone it. Gone it. So he's he's done some solo stuff, but I, I don't know. We've we've just you know we since went to GMT, sure. Um, you know, and uh, you know I'll bring that up a little later when when I when talk you know, overview of time of crisis. Cause that's that, you know, the GMT, uh, day, uh, last October, uh, introduced me to, to, uh, to TFC. So yeah, yeah. I've got to get it. I, uh, uh, Stalin, listen, Stalingrad is, is a battle, uh, that, um, and, and, uh, you know, just beyond that went beyond painful, um, you know, in, in world war two and it's yeah. beyond, beyond infamy really for for all of its facets and yeah any any little slice of that would be great yeah uh, to the, the uh, to try and try and recreate turning point of the war yeah. i mean the turning point of every war right gettysburg etc cetera, etc cetera, are are all yeah. are always uh the most hard fought and and backbreaking battles that that uh, that you have in a war amazing amazing and and mike you said october just fyi you were there in april the one that I missed. That's right. That's right. My, Claude's birthday <laughs> was, was there, October. October. I was there in April. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still scarred, clearly, um, <laughs> from the experience. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryder Knizia is back. Back in the day, Ryder Knizia would design, you know, a, a very modest amount of games in a year, like uh, six. <laughs> And then for a while, he would design 12 games a year. Like, it was cr incredible the ones he was putting out. And it kind of it kind of affected the maybe the overall quality of each and every one, or, or at least the perception of that quality, because people would have a hard time playing them. Uh, this year, I think I've seen three or four different games that are coming out of Gen Con that are Reiner Canadian Designs. But I picked out one just to say, go look at the way this game looks. I don't know if it's going to play great. It certainly seems to have a lot of really good ideas. San Francisco. San Francisco, 2022, Reiner Knizia. Take a look at this city-building game. The pieces look gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. The map looks gorgeous. The fact that you have these cable car systems that you can build to score points as you're building up the this, this city, uh, it, it looks astonishing absolutely astonishing so don't know much about it yet uh, except that you know almost every year at least one of the games that Reiner puts out is going to be kind of an instant classic he's a really brilliant game designer and this game looks stunning what do you guys think yeah i just looked it up uh it looks really cool and i know ben is probably going to get it <laughs> oh, 100% <laughs> the city builder City building with pretty pretty pieces, you know. It looks, it looks great. It looks I mean, cool. you know, I, I I dig a city builder as well, and you know, it's uh, 
that's that's a, it's San Francisco is, is an incredible city to visit if if you've never visited it. I mean, just the hills and the different areas, and you know that that in itself, the the sprawl, um, and you know how you need to park a car. I don't know if it's going to have any any <laughs> car parking issues, but uh, <laughs> how do you park? How do you park in that city? I mean, I don't I don't yeah. see any I don't see any parking garages on the on the map, so it seems to be authentic. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, and and looking at the map and looking yeah. at what I can see from the rules, it looks interesting. It looks like this might be a deep one. This might might have a lot of uh, a lot of play in it. I'm looking. Uh, it's one of those that. Just looking at it and knowing Reiner Knizia, you know, and his design style, uh, this looks like this might be a winner. This might be something worth checking out. And last but not least, War of the Ring, the card game, is coming out in 2022. I will admit to you that whenever I see a game coming out that has a colon, and then following that colon are the words the card game or the dice game. I, or the roll and write. Oh uh, yes, 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 or or that. Uh, I I grow very cold. I very go, I grow very cold and very cynical, and I generally do not like it. I will say I'm going to make an exception for War of the Ring, the card game, because War of the Ring is an, an amazing game, but it's a it's a beast. It's a long game. It is a lot of setup, a lot of teaching, and that sort of stuff. And it's also one of these games that kind of shines with two and is 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 harder to play with four. I'm not going to say worse with four. I'm just going to say much harder to play with four. And it seems like this card game, from what I've been hearing from the early comments, people have been saying that this game really shines with four. And I, I really think that when you look at the totality of the War of the Ring and Lord of the Rings and everything that that implies, that if you could do a four-player experience that was amazing, that would be incredible. And if you could do it with a lot of depth but play in a, in a, in a you know shorter, tighter amount of time, that would be amazing. So I, I I'm dying to see what Ian Brody did with War of the Ring, the card game, because I would love it. It would be it would be so amazing if he could distill that experience, uh, War of the Ring, even just a little bit to make it more accessible and to make it more four-player, you know, uh, intense and friendly. I would love it. So hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, an, that's an insta, insta, insta-buy for me. Um, and I actually read someone posted some um, initial impressions from playing it at uh, maybe UK Games Expo mm-hmm. or somewhere, and I'm like, I can't wait to try this. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I still haven't played Hunt for the Ring and some other Lord of the Rings game on my uh, <laughs> show, <laughs> but um, I love War of the Ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get some love War of the Ring myself. I have the old, uh, is it the SPI version? Um, oh, wow. But, that's really, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Really, the first edition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is before. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I have first edition. What Mike has is the older game uh, that was uh, Richard Borg designed it. Yes. So it, he is like oh. a a like hardcore like he designed monster games that were virtually unplayable today. Um so he's a, <laughs> like he's he was a war game designer. And yeah. so mm-hmm. there's nothing euro about it. This is this is tiny little chits on a yes. and back in the era when 
Oh, you want a color map? What 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 are you? Come on. You're playing a war game. You don't need a color map, okay? You're you're lucky we didn't draw no, it in this pencil. Is, this is earth. Earth color. We exactly. Go earth. Yes. Earthy. Do, do you see those yeah. blue you see those hexes. blue hexes? Those blue hexes mean water, okay? Move on. <laughs> right. right. Let's not get too fancy here. You yeah. know, stack them up and try and, you know, and 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 we uh, I think when me and Claude started playing it back in the, you know, like the late 80s or yeah. early 90s, um, we, uh, you know, we, we, we house ruled some of it to bring some fog of war into it as well. And, <laughs> and it created, yeah, it created an even like sort of like, uh, you know, we'd write down our, our, our moves before making them so that, so that the Nazgul <laughs> couldn't, couldn't find, you know, the fellowship as easily because there were basically you're playing two games, you're playing a war game plus, plus you're, you're playing the, let me try and get my fellowship and my cards. Let me try and, you know, kill Gandalf, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in the, the mines of Moria so he can become Gandalf the whites and, you know, strategically <laughs> try and do that with with my deck. Amazing. And uh, Richard Berg, not Borg, I'm sorry for yeah. mis misspeaking. Um, he's designed 195 games, nearly all of them war games. Uh, kind of one of the one of these great older designers, but he's also done he's done some he's done 18xx. He's done, you know, he's he's done successors, which is a fantastic card-driven war game. Um, yeah, he's he's a, he's he's the man, but that 1977 game, make no mistake, very different than what uh, what Candace you and I you and I know as uh, War of the Ring that that one was very much a crunchy and very hard to get to the table and get through uh, war game for sure. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and our old cat would just run on there and just <laughs> knock off the pieces. You know? No, but, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, too funny. Um, <laughs> that's it for the that's it for the news. Uh, let's get to our game review. This year we're reviewing game uh, time of crisis, 2017 uh, game, and it was designer is Ray Farrell and Brad Johnson. Artist is Roger B. McGowan, and it is published by GMT Games in the United States. Candace, tell us about this game. Yeah, Tom, of course, because I, I am the one that suggested that we yeah. <laughs> cover this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Time of Crisis, the Roman Empire in Turmoil, 235 to 284 AD, um, is a light hybrid war game. Um, that features area control, deck building, and hand management. Um, it plays with two to four players, but if you have the Age of Iron and Rust expansion, you can play it solo also. And it's set in the Roman Empire during the 3rd century. So each player basically represents the head of a family, and you're going to use your family's influence to kind of manipulate people and situations to make sure your family's name is remembered in history, uh, AKA you are competing for the most legacy points uh, in this game. And each player starts with control of one province and a deck of weak cards, which are going to use to take actions. And, you know, throughout the game, high level, you're going to be building armies and taking control of provinces, uh, building your support in those provinces, and then defending yourself against hordes of barbarians, and also your, your rivals, uh, opponents. Um, the game, is, the 
game board is a beautiful, I think it's beautiful, like large map, and it's kind of centered around Italia. Uh, it has lots of really helpful graphic design. And um, most of the provinces, which are the different uh, areas on the map, um, have a box for uh, an army to be placed in the capital city. And then there are spaces uh, numbered zero through four that are going to represent your governor's support level in a certain province. Um, but uh, Italia, which is basically like the Mechatol Rex of the game, um, has. Oh, sorry, I'm not familiar. What, is that, what does that mean? When you say Mechatol Rex, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. For- we, Tom is twitching a little bit. You have to. You have to understand that we have a uh, a, a literate listener base, and they might not uh, understand your your reference. I yeah. suspect many people know the game Twilight Imperium. Oh god! Uh, the sound of it. Oh, just, just, oh, just right. Dark, dark. But if you if you play Twilight Imperium. Uh, and are familiar with how powerful controlling Mechatol Rex is. We Italia in, We're in sorry Time of Crisis you... has a, a <laughs> similar feel, like where you can't let one player just sit there uh, for reasons, which we'll discuss. Tom. <laughs> um, and then back. everybody has their own player board, which is this kind of uh, big player board that has, it's really a just a great player aid for the most part. Um and then there's a, a market of cards, um, and it's not a traditional deck builder where you just shuffle a bunch of cards and like flip some out into the market. Uh, the market is actually stacks of all the cards available, um, and there's some like variations you can play with the cards that um, are available when you're combining the expansion with it. But you have like basically stacks of different cards that you're going to be able to buy, and um, yeah, and then so that and then you have a bunch of different like tokens that you're going to place that represent your armies and such. Um, But it's basically played over a series of rounds until the end of the game is triggered. Um, And the game will end either when a player is the emperor and has 60 points, or if you want to play the shorter game, um, has 40 points, but you have to be the emperor and have that amount of points at the end of a round um, so that everybody has the same amount of turns. Or if the Diocletian event card is drawn, the game will end immediately. And then each player um, will take on your turn. You have the, there's a specific turn sequence which every player is going to follow um, on their turn, and then the next player goes, and so on and so forth. Um, and high level, like what you're doing in the turn sequence is there's a crisis phase where you're going to roll two uh, d6s. And you're going to see either if an event card is going to be drawn, if you roll a seven, um, or if you roll some other numbers, there are different uh, barbarians that might spawn and become active and might start invading depending on uh, where, where they are. And the barbarians on the map have their own like homeland regions that are on the perimeter of the map mm-hmm. uh, that aren't the spaces that we're vying for for area control. Uh, but then you take actions with a hand of cards. And again, the neat thing about this game is it is a deck building game, but you never shuffle your deck. You are going to be choosing which cards you want at the be- at the end of the previous round or during setup. You choose five cards that you want to play with. Um, and, and this is where some of the interesting hand management comes in because the ones that you don't choose, you're going to be choosing from on your next turn. 
Um, so you're going to pick these cards, and the cards come in um, three different flavors. There's military, senate, or populace. And basically, you're going to be spending points from those cards to take actions. And Mike or Tom, do you want to talk about like the kind of the actions that you take? Sure, Mike. Why don't you? Uh, do you want to jump in, Mike? After all, yeah. You no, me. I mean, uh, first off, I, I'd like to uh, you know recognize this game as as looking great, uh, as the cards looking looking excellent as well. There is some there's some colored pictures, and you know I like pictures. Um, and some color, and and uh, it does it, it all is thematic to to the card, like you know the cavalry cards got a, a nice you know old old uh, mural uh, you know from you know from somewhere of of some cavalry coming in, the uh, the forced march is yeah you can tell the demigod card, um, you know we can get a little bit into the cards but there's it's so rich with the with the cards and the and the but in general and and the and the events that can go on the card yeah um so yeah. this is civil war by the way this is civil war you 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 are building your legions your your uh you've got governors that you need to activate and the trick uh there's so many so many tricks i haven't i you know i i so there's just got some great playability just overall, but but as you as you go, yes, you got to decide: Am I going to okay take over? I'm going to expand my empire, uh, expand my my my. Uh, so you do this in a couple ways. You can do it with military. You can do it with. Um, you can do it civically. You can raise the support. Raise your, you know, raise the support of your own home territory, which might be a good idea, uh, before you start gallivanting off to to Galicia or something, um, or Macedonia or Thrace, or attack these barbarian hordes that are coming in, saying, "Hey, I'm going to eat your wheat, I'm going to drink your wine, I'm going to take your olives," you know. So, yeah, I, I would. Great. Yeah, so 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 basically. Um, the idea is you have these cards in your hands that you're going to spend points on to kind of take actions and like military actions are, you could recruit a general, um, and you you have five different generals, one, one you'll place at the beginning of the game. Then you have five other ones that you can recruit and they each have a cost of one through five. So you would need to spend that many points to recruit a certain general. Then you can kind of take that general and spend a point of a military card to like build an army and and kind of deploy an army out um and then you can also move armies and you know god yeah and you can also use them use points to move those armies right one point yeah. per space you move those armies one point to attack someone so and those are the military actions right three colors the red yeah. are the military the blue are the diplomatic and the yellow are i'm not sure what what they consider that but i think it's kind of grab back populous. 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 the people the people yeah actions, you're, get, right? you're building your support and Correct. yeah yeah exactly. so the Money, military the military both it's mobs that you can create mm. to lay down uh, in, in, in the way of, of, of the standing emperor because the, the key here, here is, is you, you want to be emperor 
And if somebody else is the emperor, you better do do your best to quickly oust yeah. him. Yeah, you, be- you, you better, like, or I will of, crush you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> with some of the populist actions, like one of the things you could do is you can build improvements out in different provinces that you control. And they have like special abilities, but then they're also going to help you get points. Because after you take your actions, you play your five cards and spend the points from the cards to take actions. Then um, there's kind of uh, some maintenance things you do uh, to complete your turn. And one of them, yeah, there's a support check. Um, But one of the most important ones is gaining legacy points. So at the end of each turn, you're going to gain legacy points for provinces you control um those improvements i just talked about give you an extra point and then also um Military mainly victories. if you're the if you're the emperor oh. you get more points and this is yes. this is why i said it's mechatel rex <laughs> um, yeah you also get points for military victories any military victory you have in a round you're yeah. going to get uh, i think two points for you winning plus, battles you get plus mm-hmm. one for every bar- barbarian you send back to the provinces every barbarian you you vanquish uh, you get another point for that as well so there are ways to play this game in which you are getting your points primarily from uh, controlling territories, which is largely a diplomatic game that you're playing with some military support to hold these places. Um, there is a game that you could play. I'm not sure you can win playing this way, but there is a building game where you are trying to, the provinces that you control, you're going to fill them with buildings that get a point every single turn, and that's very hard to get rid of once that once that machine starts going. Um, or you can get a, get a game where you are building the best military that really can't be stopped, and you are getting points each and every round by going and fighting barbarians, even barbarians that aren't fighting you uh, sometimes. Right. Is, <laughs> is a way you could do that but as candace says the real the real point accelerator is when somebody becomes the the governor of uh, of italy which means you are the emperor and uh, the, luckily the game has got a lot of different cards that find ways to blunt the points that the emperor gets some like a royal pretender there's a pretender out there uh, who also claims to be the the emperor etc 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 um i think we should talk about the the, the purchase of cards because that's cards, a really yeah. interesting aspect as well do you want me to talk about that for a second or do you want to talk about that sure sure you take it tom sure uh, <laughs> every province that you control is worth a point every card you play is worth a a point or a certain number of of uh, points toward no isn't that right that's not right one one, no, one no, no. So slight correction each, each province, province you control there's a wherever your support level correct. is it grants you a certain amount of points it's a, this is a weird thing with the game that you kind of have to wrap your head yeah, around right. is how you buy cards and how you determine the amount of money that you have um or currency you have to buy cards because it's not like a normal deck building game where you spend cards to buy more cards instead at the end of the round you look at how many uh provinces you have and then you look at your support level in each province so if i have three provinces i control that each have two support then i have six that i can spend to buy cards but the number Um, of provinces also matter in terms of what cards you can buy cheaply because um, the rule is that there are level two, three, and four. You start off with a hand of nine cards that are all worth one point. None of them do anything special. They're just one-point cards. And there is actually a mechanism in the game where you can call them like we do in a lot of 
hand management games, I would say that that the game seems to de-emphasize card culling to some degree, or at least I haven't seen a lot of it in the games we played. Uh, it's expensive. It's expensive. It is a little expensive. Do it. But yeah. getting the cards, the level two cards have certain abilities, right? There's, I think, two of each color uh, with, with different abilities mm-hmm. on them. With the expansion. Correct. With the expansion, you'll have two of each color for each value. Yep. Precisely. At level three, better powers. Level four, oh my goodness, look at those things. Those are amazing. The problem is, is that if you want to buy a level two card, you should you want to control two territories, I believe, right? Uh, I think is where it is. Yes. And then a, a level two card costs you two. If you want to buy two, the second card costs you one extra, so it would cost you five to buy two level two cards. However, if you wanted to buy a level three card, because you don't control three provinces, it's double. So you would have to pay six to take to get yeah. just one card in that in, in that system, which is good because what it does is it's not putting together cards and figuring out you know how much they're worth and then going shopping no your buying power has everything to do with your board presence right which is yep. cool yep. that is a good good system that is a well designed system and then you know and, and then like the old wheel of fortune you get to go shopping and oh i'm going to take one of these and i'm going to take one of these they go into your discard pile so you're not going to have them yet but and but in whatever cards you have left you were going to put together your new five card hand for the next round that's basic that's basically the structure of it yeah yeah no you Spot you on. nailed it yeah. um and and again like when you so you have an available deck that you're draw that you're picking cards from mm-hmm. and the minute that's depleted and you need to pick more cards that's when you take your whole discard stack and now you can pick from any of those at that point yep. so it's a it's a real real balance of number one what kind of cards are you buying for your deck? Are you getting? Are you going heavy with military? You're getting a variety: military, senate, and populace. Because um, all all the cards have some really the cards that you're buying um, have events on them too. Yep. So when you play them later, you know when it when you're able to get them into your available pile and actually put them in your hand and play them. Not only are you getting more points from the value of the card to spend towards actions, but they I think they all yeah they all have events on them too. Which are cool because you get to do the event and spend the points on the card. Right. Not quite event. We shouldn't say event. We should say power or because events okay, are effects. Effects. Events effects. are a separate power. thing. Effects, correct. Because it's not, not like Twilight Struggle where you can yeah. play the event and use the the yeah. you know the uh, ops the the ops number. Right. It's right. a it's a card. This you get both. You get both that you're the, resolving. Right. Yeah. You you don't have to choose between the points or the effect. Yeah. You get both in this game. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. I haven't seen that necessarily before. Um, so, so you 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 don't you don't have to choose necessarily. It's like um, you can you know. And and some of these cards, though, there are subtle. Is 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 one that really helps you build your deck, um, build your points. Is is the Princeps Senatus? Is you can choose not to use the points and just use the power. So that one is a little different. It's a, so two, that it's a level two-point point card, and if you don't yep. use those points on the board, you get to use those points toward your total buying power. That's exactly Yeah, what it, whatever exactly. is left over. Uh, one other thing to note um, about the when you're scoring legacy points, um, the when you control Italia and you're the emperor, um, there's also on the uh, victory point track... Uh, 
there's also a marker where you're going to track how many turns that you are the emperor. Yep. Because at the end of the game, at the end of the game, whoever was the emperor the most in the game gets bonus points. So the first, the whoever was the most gets 10 extra points, legacy points. Next most gets six, and I think it's three yeah. for third. Um which is but, good. Uh, Endgame scoring is based on how long you sat on the Emperor's throne. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Everything we have talked about so far are all things I really, really like about this game. Should we talk about the things uh, that I do not like about this game? Here it comes. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. We're not going to do it yet. Quick, I just, I just want to mention also uh, that we played with cards from the Age of Iron and Rust expansion. Yes. Um, and highly recommend that expansion. Yeah, highly recommend getting the expansion if you're going to get the game um, because it adds a whole other set of influence cards. And you could either, like we did, we play with all the influence cards, but there's a way where you can kind of mix and match some or pick some from certain one, you know, the base game with the um, or with the expansion. But they're like also to try that next time, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah, would be, that would be interesting. The other ones and having that like so such an open marketplace. Totally, totally. Yeah. But uh, the other thing the expansion adds is it adds bots so you can play it uh, solo. And um, I hear good things about it. I haven't tried it solo yet, but I've. Uh, watch like Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire has a playthrough where she goes through a whole two turns of it and explains how it works. So that looks cool. And then there are also new emperor rules because I guess during the third century, emperors didn't just sit on their throne in Rome necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to kind of represent that and give you a variant on how you can uh, play with emperors and it gives you a more variety. So when you do become the emperor, you maybe could be a more um, militaristic emperor, and it works differently than just kind of sitting in Italia. Um, and then there's like, there's, I think there's three different variants of the type of emperor you can choose to be, and it, they all score slightly differently. So that's something we haven't really experimented with, um, but I'm curious to kind of check out. But I yeah, think we should. We, sh we should. Yeah, and I think, like I said, the Age of Iron and Rust expansion. If you're going to get this game, I think it's worth it to get it, even if you just play with the extra cards, because the extra the card variety is great. 100%. Yeah, it, it makes the game uh, sing. It makes the game exactly what it should be, because there are tough choices in every purchase that you make now, because uh, there is no bad card in it. It's simply a matter of what extra ability are you giving your empire? Or is it a more uh, offensive one? Is it a more defensive one? Is it right? Is it this or is it that? Sure. It really changes the the different makeups of the various people because of the abilities that they now have. Should we talk about yeah, so what, yeah, what, 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 right. what are your gripes, Tom? So here's the, so, so far, <laughs> so far, it would seem like this is a no-brainer. This is a great. This is a great game. And guess what? I love the design of this game. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Right up until they do one thing, which is the the whole. We want this to be a light war game. And for GMT, you know, 
I'm falling into the tank duel problem where, oh my goodness, there's so many cool little things in this system. And then it's like, okay, and now we roll the dice. And each turn, you're going to roll the dice. Uh, are you going to roll it once? No, you're not going to roll it once. You're going to roll it at least twice. One time, you're going to roll to see which barbarians become active, right? Um, and of the 12 of the 12 numbers if you roll a 7 an event card comes out and that event changes a, a state of the game any other number and you're flipping a barbarian to the active side which means they could uh, invade their territory then you're going to roll two dice and one die is going to be the activation die and if it is equal to or lower than the number of barbarians that in that territory that was that that had just flipped over Guess what? Active barbarians, yes, yeah. Yes, they are going to move in. And the other number tells you which direction they're going to go because there's always two or three different territories that they can then invade. And while that sounds all smart and fine and reasonable, uh, in a four-player game, you're generating three to four barbarians each and every turn. And listen, dice clump, dice do things. In the games that I have played, every time um, I have unfortunately found that the barbarian die rolls have been more determinative than I would want them to be in a game system that has such interesting choices because players can be ganged up upon uh, by these barbarian factions. And when a barbarian faction moves into your territory... Listen, it gives you an opportunity to get bonus points because killing barbarians is worth is worth victory points. You're you're going to get legacy points for that. Um but it is a real it's a real wrench in the works because it is going to lower your uh control value of the territory that you're in and eventually could knock you even out of that territory. Go ahead, Candace. Tell me. Tell me yeah, why I'm wrong. No, so <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, I think I have just a little, a couple comments on that. Sure. Um, one is like thematically, it makes sense, and I I like the way the barbarians are activated and the way they they move and everything. I completely agree that um, in our minimal plays, it seems like a lot of the barbarians kind of end up invading from one particular side of the board. But I think kind of knowing that after playing a couple games and saying, ooh, this side of the board, usually, uh, you know, there are a lot of barbarians that invade. Then when you play again, you give people a heads up about that. And when they pick their starting province, because we all get to pick a starting province at the beginning, maybe you don't pick that area and maybe you shy away from that and you understand that there's it's riskier. But like I said, or if you do, or if you do choose to, like, if, when you understand that that is a risk, um, then beef up your military and take advantage of it and say, I'm going to go militaristic and get, because that's a lot of points if you're if you're fighting um, and winning combat against the uh, barbarians and every unit that you remove or send back, you're getting an extra point. So that is a it's definitely a way that you can kind of like capitalize on that. But again, I think it's, I think it's now that I'm oh, aware of that. Sure. Um, I will tell people that. Yep. Um, and the other thing is like in, in this game, I think the, whoever ends up being the first player gets to pick the province first. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it'll make much of a difference, but um, 
we were talking about like house ruling that they picked the province last. Yes. Um, yeah. which might kind of even that out a little bit. But I, I think like going forward, I would just te- tell people, hey, you know, in these three games we played, um, <laughs> what what are they called? The Salinas or oh uh, no, the Sassanids. Sassanids, that's right. <laughs> Sassanids came out. They flocked a lot. <laughs> I, so, I don't so think that that is fire beware. You know, but I looked at the I looked at the the die numbers where these things happen, and I don't think that that is predictive. I think that is that that is coincidental. I don't think that that is going to happen. Not to mention that the Sassanids and the Nomads and people like that, it's fifty fifty which which direction they go. They could go left. They could go they could go right for each of them. It just so happens in the games that we played, they attack the same the, the same place. So, so that's number one. That number one is I'm not sure that that telling people, hey, this tends to be the area attacked. I don't know if that bears out with a lot of plays. But more importantly, like I totally agree that that hey, if you're getting attacked by barbarians, start stocking up on those military cards and go to town. You can get a lot of points that way. Unfortunately, I don't think you can get as many points that way as you can becoming the emperor. The emperor is just it's just too many points. There's too many ways to to really boost your score and just and just crush it. And if you are being attacked by barbarians, you are essentially out of the empire game. You're out of you're out of you don't have the resources to both deal with the the barbarians and take over Rome. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem. I wish it wasn't a problem. I don't want it to be a problem. <coughs> I wish that there was just a, like, I, I wish the level of randomness of barbarians and barbarian attacks was somehow able to be cut in half. Because if it was cut in half, I totally agree with you that it is appropriate that, that there are going to be barbarian incursions that is going to happen in the game. It's just that they feel to me, to me, and my yeah. and my way of play, it feels like it, in the, every game that I played, at least one player, if not two players, their their carefully thought out strategies and their decisions that they made in the game ended up being overshadowed by the dice. And, and I don't think that's a fun. I don't like that feeling. Yes. Yeah, but Tom. Also, yes. the other thing is, yes, we haven't played this a lot. No, that's I true. think there's a, I think there's an experience thing here because. Once somebody becomes the emperor, the other players have to go after them. And like in this last game that we played Wednesday night with uh, where I played with Mike, AJ and Matt, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> we started doing what we could to like put mob tokens and we were lowering support in there and there. And we eventually got Matt out. Um, Good. So. So I think there's something to be said about, yeah, when you play with new players, there there's a lot to like a lot of decisions and a lot of things you're figuring out. And I don't think people have the experience to know how to pivot and take down that emperor um, sure. personally. Like that, I, I think there's an experience uh, thing going on there sure. that would would kind of even it out a little bit. No, but yeah, so you have well. you have to be okay and, with randomness in this game. You have to yeah, be okay the, with that. You know, it's kind of like what Jim said on on your and and I was going to set up a funny joke, but we didn't do games on the brain, but uh, so I won't. <laughs> um, but uh, but because I was going to do Tom as Sid Vicious, it was a it was a strange joke that I had going, but you know, 
so so you know we'll we'll save it for another time. But uh, but um, oh, we could do games on the brain after our review. And uh, um, but but when when um, you know Jim was talking about this history of the world, which I actually want to want to try, and he was talking about some of the ran the die the dice, and he didn't care. I I kind of I I swapped that aha moment that we had with the dice, especially on the attacks, Candice, of, 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 of our game, where you rolled those two sixes. Because let's yeah. remember, if you roll a six, you get, an, you get a hit. Yeah. A hit, and you get an ex, extra roll, a re-roll. So that hit could keep getting those sixes in that dice tower. And it's, it's I was doing a dice jig of sixes. It wasn't yeah. even my yeah. roll. And because... <laughs> We did have, and but I will say, Tom, to your point, the runaway emperor uh, is an issue, and I think to Candace's point, it's an issue of of ex experience, experience play, and this is a GMT game. I I discovered this game when I walked into the GMT warehouse in April. It was now, thank you, <laughs> um, and um, and. This I was I was just I, I was staring at just you know crusty old weathered <laughs> uh, you know just experienced you know like battle veterans you know and and, and some of them were you I was know, wondering if you were going to be real veterans I was wondering if you were and talking I was about like, the games what am the I gonna, what am I going to do I'm kind of not at their level mm. I, I played Twilight Struggle uh, you know dabbled with Imperial Struggle. And, you know, luckily, um, uh, actually, one of Candace's friends, Hector, was there. And, uh, and I, I saw and, and an, another, you know, younger guy, Dustin, was, was playing Time of Crisis. And I'm like, this is what we need to start with, start our weekend with. Let's not go full into, you know, one, you know, one of these other GMT games. This looks... This looks a little gateway for, for us just to, it's our first GMT con. Mm -hmm. Let's cut our teeth on this. And me, Joe, and, and Claude, we borrowed it after they were done. And we did a three-player. And, and we learned, you know, we, we, we learned a lot, but we didn't even scratch the surface. So I, we had the runaway emperor problem too. So is it a, is it a, is it a problem? Or this is a popular GMT game. I think it's an experience issue. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Go but ahead. the random, but I will to your point, Tom, the, the, it, the randomness on our play, Candace, the, the, and, and our play before with, with Claude, the, the randomness of the, the, uh, the barbarians flooding into, <laughs> unfortunately, one person. It's too much to handle, and you're not in the Emperor game. That's true, and so the other players need to need to take down that that Emperor. They need to get together. Um, I think what this game is lacking is is a is a turn, a turn order uh, auction of some kind. I think it would be interesting if you spent some of your um, maybe some of you know, or, or maybe there was a card which could help you. The Ambitus card could help you also buy you know, buy the, the right to go first, because I, I think it's important. I think one thing uh, that we didn't really mention is that uh, I did say that Italia has uh, eight levels of support. 
And at the beginning of the game, after each player puts out wherever or decides on their starting province, all of the other provinces, eight of them, will get seated with neutral governors. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes uh, Italia's support levels start at eight, which is like virtually impossible for anybody to come in and become emperor because you need a certain you need 16 votes to come in there. And it's just like that's impossible. But as we as the players start taking over uh, these provinces that had neutral support and convert them to our own family support, the level of Italia drops down. So there's a whole thing. And this is where, again, I'm thinking there's some experience level things that could mitigate some of this but like in our game mike ended up uh doing something where he kind of left it open for matt to just uh swoop in and become emperor and i think maybe mike you didn't have the cards at the time or you didn't want to go in to become emperor i got cold feet (laughs) you know i was i was more interested in you know in wine and arts and talking some (laughs) talking some philosophy Right. And then, then actually, you know, seizing, seizing power. And that was a big mistake. A, um, I did, uh, I, I, I did, you know, um, do my, do myself justice and fall on my own sword by, by buying two mobilist cards and throwing them at Matt so that, so that you could at least swoop in. So I did a bit yeah. of em- emperor making at the end there, to- which was fun. It was still a fun experience, but my, my game was, my game was kind of uh, maybe done early because I did, did pick some cards and I didn't manage my deck very mm. well. It's important. Look, <laughs> uh, to be a hundred percent clear, I did not say that there is a runaway emperor problem. I don't think that there is. I think that we had runaway emperors in our games, but I think that I think Candace is dead on right that that is that is an experience thing because there is the pretender card. There is you, there are mobs that you can create. The game has a lot of mechanics designed to blunt the impact of sitting on the throne uh, on the throne in Rome. No question about that. My issue with the game. Is entirely with the with the randomness of the barbarian and the barbarian hordes and how they and how they come out. What I did say is I did say that if you have to deal with the barbarians, not only can't you really can't you really effectively vie for the emperor, but to some degree you you can't even effectively thwart the emperor. To some degree, because you were, it's, yeah. it's an all no. hands, it's an all hands on deck situation. I, I would put it this way: I would put it that if there were no dice in the game, and instead it was just a deck of cards that you flip over each and every round, and it, it would be like the equivalent is all the cards are blank except one, which says asteroid, and you roll randomly to see <laughs> who gets hit by the asteroid. <laughs> but but it's not Tom because it's a. It's a- <laughs> thing right you know you you trigger the sassanids and one flips over so the only reason the only way that'll move is if you then on the second roll roll a one and then other people have turns and then you roll again and maybe one more sassanid flips so you see these you see these barbarians coming um also just one other thing about some of the event cards like if you roll a seven um nothing happens with the barbarians but you flip an event card um, I think some of those are pretty cool. Like we ended up having one. I don't remember, Mike, what it was called. Like uh, prepping at home, prepare for war, which makes sure that the the barbarians, you know, chance it slows of them coming, down. Come, it slows yeah. them down, and you're able to 
to yeah, prepare. So that was helpful. Did, did, <laughs> but does it did really, AJ prepare? But it doesn't slow them no. down. What it means is that you're, they don't invade yet. In, in point you're of right, you're right, Tom. In, in point you're of right. fact, in some ways, I would argue that that preparation for war. What preparation for war does is it makes it twice as hard for barbarians to move into territories, move into occupied territories. Right? That's all it does. So they pile up. <laughs> that's what. That's exactly right. They pile yeah. up, and then all of a sudden, instead of one or two trickling into your territory, which are manageable. All of a sudden, yeah. four are coming in at once, and then guess yeah. what? And then yeah. guess what? You're going to have to you basically write off that territory, move move out, try to find out mm-hmm. some way to salvage your game. But it this, yeah. but it is a race. Just, it's a race yeah. to sixty. It's a race to sixty points, and in a race game, being knocked two turns back from being able to really advance in a meaningful way uh, is can be a death blow. But and I'm I'm going to just continue to argue. Yeah. yeah. You do that it. there's an experience level thing because Matt was emperor way longer than me. And I ended up like three points behind him at the end of the game. So there are lots <laughs> of different ways. No, Candace, you, you, like, you would have won if we actually. I would have won. Out. You yeah. Won. Yeah. Because we because realized we, we thought it ended at 40 points, but we forgot that you have to also be the emperor oh. and have 40 points, you know, or 60 points, whichever way you're playing. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. I, I will just like conclude that um, I think this is a great game, especially if you're a Euro player who wants to like dip your toes into wargaming. You know, I think there are nine pages of rules and there's also an example of play in the rule book. Um, so, you know, there are a couple of things that you'll kind of wrap your head around. But overall, it's not a complex game, yeah. but there are like a lot of cool decisions with the hand management, building your deck managing the barbarians and also you know making sure that you don't run into an emperor situation uh runaway winner kind of situation um so overall oh and the one other thing i want to mention is the very first time i played this game i played with three players i played with um one person she doesn't even like area control and at the end of our game we enjoyed it so much that like we started looking through like we played just base game. We were looking at the expansion. We're like, oh, you know, like what does this add? And everybody like we were talking about it. There was excitement. Um, after our game Wednesday night, there was some excitement because of course I hit this this die roll where I need it. Like the only way I could do it is if I rolled two sixes. And I just said <laughs> so two good. sixes. And and Mike was doing his jig and like everybody's cheering me on except Matt, who's like, don't get sixes. And then I dropped him in the dice tower and was like, two sixes, yes. And then like so 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 there's some excitement that comes with the randomness. But again, of course, if you're somebody who doesn't like any um, dice rolling in games. Um, or like kind of like random events, this this is probably not a game for you. But if you find that kind of stuff exciting and, uh, you know, don't get so sore on it and find <laughs> ways to kind of capitalize on barbarians instead of letting them ruin your game. Um, and again, I think that's going to come with experience. Like if you're a new player, it's like, oh, crap. Oh, like, what do I do? I'm stuck. I can't do it, you know. But once you get experience with the game, I think it's going to shine even more. So that's my final thoughts. Mike, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love I loved it at GMT uh, at GMT when I first introduced to it, and uh, I, I, thematically, the look is great. Over overall, I don't mind the dice. I don't mind the randomness. M- maybe house ruling, uh, not rolling crisis every 
guy because it is a lot actually they do build up with four players so maybe maybe there's some sort of house ruling there to s slow that down and and have maybe a more competitive game with every player there because invariably in a, in, in a lot of these four-player games you you find you know one person is kind of you know the wildebeest at some point but it's still a good experience it's still thematically this is crisis man and, and you know the the romans were not were not popular at this stage and who was rome what was rome anyway they had over expanded mm. you know so i'm over expanding on my uh, on my thumbs up here but i, I give it a, a good uh, <laughs> uh, a, a good uh, you know I, I i i love playing this game yeah, and I'll finish by saying the, the following. Uh, number one, uh, there is a dearth of great light war games out there. That is a, a it is an area that I know GMT is very interested in expanding. They're, they're, they're putting out a lot of lighter war games, trying to create bridges into into this part of the hobby. And I think it's great. I think we need more games like this. Absolutely. Uh, I enjoyed every play that I had of this game. Uh, I was never the person that was ganged up on by the dice. Uh, that that never... <laughs> that, if anything, uh, I was entirely untouched by the dice. And uh, therefore, uh, my, uh, my, my criticisms are uh, on behalf of others to some, to, to some degree. <laughs> um, and, and listen, I will be the first to say that for me, um, I, I, I think, uh, I randomness, uh, Trey and I, I, I think are very much of the same mind that randomness in games is something that is necessary, but also is something that can be very destructive to things like strategy and tactics and, and, and so on and so forth that, uh, that it, Randomness needs to be carefully uh, designed into a game so that it doesn't overshadow effort and and work, and I and I'm very sensitive to that. So when I say these concerns, these concerns are coming from a person that really want that that really wants you know randomness in a box a little bit, right? A little, little, little controlled. And I felt in the first two plays that uh, or first three plays that maybe that's a little. Uh, more than is to my taste. That said, what Candace and Mike both said, which is absolutely right, is more plays are definitely warranted to see. Like we could have had uh, just a few games in a row that have had unusual concentrations of bad luck being visited upon one or two players and one or two players left entirely untouched. And then in more, that a much more common outcome will be people getting dinged a little bit here and there and having, and I like the idea of people getting dinged and having to roll with the punches and figure out a way around, you know, like my plan can't work now, what do I do now is a good challenge. That's a good thing to have in a game. Uh, at the end of the day, like I said, I've enjoyed every play that I've had of this game. And with with my concerns in mind, I still do recommend it. I still recommend Time of Crisis. I enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because I think we should definitely do, uh, we should revisit this with all experienced players. Yeah, we've turned him around, We turned really, him around. Yeah, we I love, I love him it. And we, we, turned, we turned him around. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Even, I don't know if you turn no it. Legion duel. He no might even ask duel. to play tank duel 
this weekend. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's coming around. There is no around. way you're turning me around on Tank Duel or Twilight <laughs> Imperium. I don't know. I don't know I'll what. Get you. I'll get you, Tom. Just, just give, it, give it some time. Whatever you are smoking over there, it is it, it, it is insane that you think those two are good games. I don't understand it. Ah, they're great games. Uh, they're, I think they're great games. Oh my goodness! I, I want to play this again, like with because every single game I've played has also been with some new players, and I I really want to try it with people who know at all these things and understand how it works and see how it might feel then. Done. I'm, I I to, I agree. I agree. I, I think certainly for the 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 the, uh, the dangers of somebody being emperor too many rounds. I think it takes experienced players to know how dangerous that can be and to know how to how much work you have to put in to mitigate that. For sure, totally agree. Joy's van management. Um, this is a hand management game we just we just reviewed. It very much is a game in which we start off with a a very poor hand and you are spending points to buy a better hand over the course of the of the game and you are choosing which cards and which combination of cards to put into your hand each and every round these are all the hallmarks of hand management um Candace, will you tell us when we talk about hand management what are we talking about what 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 are the what is the the overview of what that mechanism looks like in a game well to me honestly it just comes down to having a hand of cards and just looking at those cards and having the hardest decisions of what which ones to play for which kind of thing or not to play. And then if I play this now, I won't have it back for this or that. So there are lots of uh, different types of games that have hand management. Um, you know, number one, card-driven games like Twilight Struggle. Um Every card-driven game has, like, a crazy amount of hand management um, because of the timing in which you want to play different cards. Then you have some games that are, like, more action selection cards in your hand or cards like Ankh that have battle cards where when you play the cards, uh, or, you know, similar to Concordia, you play cards and you can't get them back until you play another card to pick them up. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole thing where you're balancing... Um, what to do, when, and, you know, and you're thinking about, like, I won't have access to that later, or if I use it for this, I can't use it for that. So it's like, to me, it's just the, like, just all the really tough decisions that come from a hand of cards um, that kind of makes up hand management. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that we can separate this into several different categories, right? One is, um, how do we take cards into our hand, right? How do you get cards in a hand management game? A lot of different ways they, they deal with that. And we'll, we'll talk about some of them right here. Uh, how do you play cards from your hand and how do you get cards back into your hand is a thing. Um, in some ways we could go back to Dominion as being one of the early games that decided, oh, you know what? Let's make the entire game hand management, right? That's what the what the <laughs> yeah. game is. It is you start off with provinces, which are going to be worth points or not, uh, whatever states, whatever, whatever you start off with. You start off with a few cards that are have no value whatsoever during the play, but only value at the end of the play. And then you have a hand of uh, uh, five cards that are worth money, and those money are going to be used to go shopping for 
better cards. And those cards not only are, are better, they, they unlock abilities and getting the right combination, the right mix of abilities in your hand is going to give you the opportunity to get bigger and better cards along the way and bigger values of money along the way so that you get hands where you can buy the really, really big cards, which once again will clog up your hand because those are the point scoring, the big point scoring yep. cards. Um, that's kind of a classic hand management thing. It's it's like, okay, I'm trying to choose what cards to bring into my hand, but I have to realize that the mix of cards that I have in my hand, because every turn, I'm only going to have so many, and the and whenever you have a dud hand, which happens in almost all hand management games, not all, but m almost all hand management games, when you have a dud hand of bad cards, that's a that's a big problem, right? That's a that's a big yeah. problem. Yeah, and that, that's almost kind of deck management a little bit. Yeah. Um, when, uh, but when you think of like, you know, fast forward to a game like uh, Dune Imperium, where, uh, you know, it's a deck building game similar to Dominion in the deck building aspect where you're buying cards from a market. But in that game, you're using cards to uh, place workers on the board, mm -hmm. but whichever cards you hold back, you get like a treat that you might be able to use them in... Uh, for shopping or for battles. So you're kind of juggling with these, this decision of like, Hey, I really want to like put somebody there to take that action, but I really need this card to save it so that I could get better cards at the end of the round, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Mike terraforming Mars is kind of a hand management. It's like very much a hand management game, but it's different because you're not really shopping for any cards, right? Right. It's a, there's a draft at the beginning, um, and then round. you're you're getting the ability to to buy some cards later uh, on in the game, and it's it's just the key. You know, it's the it's money management, and uh, you know how much can I afford? Mm -hmm. And I found that as a, when I was inexperienced with Terraforming Mars, all these cards look great. Right? I want to play them. I can build to that. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> you really need to be very judicious in what cards you're gonna you're gonna build and 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 get and be able to play and and what what uh, you know what avenue you're gonna you're, you're gonna go for on 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 terraforming Mars. But yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a great one for for cards and building. It's you know, and we've we've mentioned it's uh, you know Ark Nova as well as being sort of a you know, kind of a, you know, a zoo, a zoo version of, uh, of Terraforming Mars in, in, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, very so, much so. So in yeah. Dominion, um, when you play a card, you're playing these cards out, you're taking their actions, and then they all go in your discard pile, right? But in games like Ark Nova and Terraforming Mars, you're actually building a tableau. So we should actually talk about that a little bit too because hand management generally – uh, these days is talking about cards often, not all the time, but often about cards that you can play in multiple ways. You can play them for an effect and then they go into the discard pile. Or sometimes you play them for a lasting effect and they become part of your tableau right out in front of you. In Terraforming Mars, um, event cards are played and then discarded, but uh, the, the other two types of cards are sitting out there and they're 
giving you something for the rest of the game, whether it be tags in the case of the green cards or in the case of blue cards, lasting effects or lasting abilities that you can that you can play. Um, which all comes right back to hand management, right? Because which do, which of these things do I keep? Which of these things do I use? I love I love a good tableau game. You know, and when I think of the great tableau games, I really start with Race for the Galaxy for me because it really is one of those classic games that distills hand management down to uh, putting cards, getting cards that are going to be able to create the tableau that is going to win the game for me. Yeah, and it's then there's thing. a whole thing with uh, games. Uh, speaking of like Race for the Galaxy, but there are games where you have to spend cards to do something. Uh-huh. So it's like just having that decision of like, oh, I really want to save this to use it, but I need to buy that, so I need to get rid of a certain amount of cards. Um, and then yeah. just like multi-use cards in general are usually um, heavy on the hand management because it's like, do I want to use this card for this thing or that thing? You right. know. That's why I like struggle. Am I saving this event for the next round so that I can headline it? Um, or mm-hmm. am I, uh, you know, or, oh, man, I really wanted to use this event, uh, but it's not the right time right now. So I'm going to have to hope, hope I get this this card uh back when when yeah. the resh- when the reshuffle comes so yeah all of these mechanisms of when it reshuffles uh you know what to hold on to you know just yeah. create such rich decision making that the you know and, and all these games kind of differ a little bit here and there it's it's uh you know and and if you add add some theme into the hand management it's really it's really excellent, you know. I mean, even even Wingspan does it to an extent. Yeah. Um, you know, love it. Yeah. There's uh, there's but, one other thing too. Like if you think about like Undaunted Normandy, we were talking about earlier. Um, when you get your hand of cards, uh, the first thing you need to do is pick one of those cards to buy for initiative. Yeah. So that is always like just a crucial decision. I know, like that's not the only game that does that. Uh, I think Red Flag over Paris also, you know, you're you're picking one card, but it's like, uh, if I put that card in, you know, in there, I can't use that card. Yeah, the headline event it, in Twilight yeah. in Twilight Struggle is very much like yeah. that. It is a simultaneous uh, uh, reveal using cards. I mean, which is why, to me, when I see colon the card game, I feel much better than I do colon the dice game. Dice are yeah. dice are uh, have a very limited usefulness, whereas a card it can do so many different things. They're uh, in my top five. I'm going to be talking about some games in which that card can be used like five different ways. It can be five different things over the over the course of the game, which is which is kind of amazing. But even just uh, Twilight Struggle is a great example. I have an enemy's event. If I play this card, they're going to get this huge benefit from it. I get the points, but they get the benefit. When do I play that? Do I play that? Do I put that into the space race to try and get rid of it? Do I find another way yeah. to get rid of it? Uh, brilliant, brilliant, hard, hard decisions uh, that are uh, that make hand management a real joy in a game, a real you know tough decision space where you know th- there is no right answer, but there are a lot of wrong answers. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. So, should we get to the top five? Let's do I'm it. Curious. Let's do it. We're going to do our top five 
hand management games, and in that we will be discussing why. Uh, Mike, how about you go first, then Candace, then me? Does that sound okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sticking with my T's here, so um, in no particular order. What? Oh, I, I just I just oh, yelled. I, I, just, I, just, okay, I was told I needed to. I was told I would be an embarrassment if right. I didn't have an order. Let's be clear, okay? <laughs> this isn't, this isn't rookie ball, okay? This is professional, okay? We are we are professionals, okay? We're going to rank it's them. It's my second show. Give me, give me. <laughs> fair Boston, enough, Mike. Fair Boston. enough. In no particular order, then. What is what is your... No, no, no. My, okay, then I will... I have an order, but I now have to reverse it. Okay, I'm, it's just, <laughs> this is tough sometimes. I will go... Uh, shall I Shall I do like Ben does and give an honorable mention or no? That's for bottom. I told, I told Ben he can't do honorable <laughs> mentions anymore. No. We have... I, I guess I'm a Nazi about this, but I'm very like, no, you have to have a top five. It has to be in an order, and it can only be five. I guess I... I guess I... <laughs> I, I apologize I if... Uh, I guess you're the list, the list Nazi here. I guess a little um, bit. <laughs> Everdale, then, would be my fifth. Yeah. Everdale, this, you know, cute, cute uh, you know, woodland creatures, but the but the, the rich cards and the the marketplace and the and the getting the resources to buy the cards, um, you know, is is my, you know, and, and then managing the hand. I haven't played it enough. I really liked my first couple plays of it, uh, and I really liked the the uh, the hand management aspect uh, of it. When to you know, and and the combinations that you could could do. Yeah. And also, this what was what was unique about it is is you're able to use other people's cards. So yeah. that was a cool, you know. So that that was that was kind of the the wrinkle there. That's why it made it on the list. I'm trying to you know. There are, you know, unique ways uh, that, that the, the games on, on my list uh, work. So I will say that uh, in number four position. No, 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 no. Just one no, at a time. We're just going to do our number fives, oh. and then we're going to do our number fours, oh. and so on and so forth. All right. <laughs> right. So, now someone can take me. Oh, don't no, you worry. No. All good. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Everdell does this thing where other people can use the cards that you put into your tableau. Not all of them, but some of them. And that is a great, that, that's a great innovation that not a lot of games do. Candice, what's your number five? Um, my number five is Scout. Scout, yes. Yeah, yeah. Scout <laughs> is <laughs> super hand management kind of game. Uh, because, you know, number one, you have this ability where, well, you can't rearrange the cards in your hand. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to time when to play certain cards from your hand and how that will, uh, impact the rest of your hand in, in terms of like filling in a gap. Yep. And then, you know, when you actually scout from someone, where do you insert that card in which direction makes most sense so that you can do things. And I know we've talked about scout in the past a lot, so we don't have to like go into anything crazy. Uh, but yeah, that was, that's one where I think the hand management is good. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, there is no shopping for cards. There is no drafting for cards. You get your full hand at the beginning and it is a race to be out of cards to some degree, but the fact that you can't move any cards around and you're trying to get out, it's fantastic. Weirdly, my number five has the same idea. A hand in which once you put the cards together, you cannot move the cards. Bonanza. Bonanza? Bonanza. Ah, I got it. 
Bonanza is is my number five. Uh, Uwe Rosenberg's first hit. Bonanza is a bean trading game, and what he did with that is he created the same thing that Scout has, which is once you pick up your cards, you cannot rearrange them. The card on the the the, the first card in your hand is going to be a bean that you are going to have to plant in one of your two bean fields or three bean fields if you buy a third bean field later in the game uh, when it comes your turn, and then you may plant the second card in your hand. And the key is is that what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to make money, and the way you make money is by having big bean fields, bean fields with a lot of bean cards, and each card, each type of bean is different. Some of them, there are only four cards in the whole deck, which means if you get a bean field of three, you're getting tons of tons of money already, right? Others have 22 of those cards in the deck, and boy, oh boy, you got to have like 11, 12, something like that, in order to get full full payment out of those. So what he did was, which is very interesting, is he made it into a trading game and a negotiation game. Cards will come into into people's possession each turn. Two cards will be flipped over, and then it becomes a negotiation. Like, I do not want to have to plant the very first card that I have, so I'm going to have to trade that with somebody before it comes around <laughs> to my turn because I desperately only want to plant the second one. If I have to plant the first one, one of my fields is going to be ripped up early, and I'm getting less points for it. Uh, so a hand management game in which the way you manage the hand is by negotiating with people, offloading beans you don't want but they do want, and hopefully in return for getting beans you do want is a wonderful, wonderful way to do hand management. It's a hand management via negotiation, which is that's why it's my number five. Mike, your number four remains. It is for number you. Number four. <laughs> no, 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 I've switched it up. Oh. You know, because I'm smokescreened. Oh, look at you. I smokescreen smoke Dark Nova. I'll let, you know, that be Elder's territory. Because oh. when he when he plays that game, you just watch him, just looking at the cards. and It's a very valid. Carefully. Oh, it is, it, is, it, is, it is fantastic. I'm going to say Glory to Rome. Yes. Okay. Nice. One of the original, um, you know, multiple-use card-driven... Uh, games uh where the cards can be buildings they can be actions they can be you know um reactions that you can follow uh and use resources you know other where they can be resources you can and and um and and then you can there's also an, uh, an original hand size that grow can grow yep with the buildings that you, you know, you place down your scriptorium and you're getting, I forget if it was the scriptorium, but you're, you're getting cards and, and all of a sudden you've, and, and the deck, the end game is when the deck is gone. I do like this system Yep, is when, when that, that massive stack of the deck, you're like, there's no way we're going through all of these cards, but <laughs> oh boy, you probably are unless you, and, and, and I like to house rules that the catacomb is out so that you don't have like one of those quick ending games, but it can be a race to the end there and, and just to manage that, that crazy deck that you may be wound up with and, and just, you know, it, it, it can get kind of AP at the end there, but, um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a great classic hand management game. Probably the, probably the most different ways you can use a card is in glory to Rome. I'm some of the first games I ever played with you, Tom. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Glory to Rome. Fantastic yeah. game. Love it. Absolutely. It has a place, deep place in my heart. Oh, yeah. It's uh, impossible to find, unfortunately. Sorry to everybody out there. Candice, what's your number four? My number four is Hands in the Sea. I don't remember if I brought this up uh, last time I was on or not, but uh, Hands in the Sea is a two-player deck-building hybrid war game um, that was designed, kind of modeled after A Few Acres of Snow, which was a Martin Wallace game that came out um, many years ago, uh, where it's a deck-building game, but you have a board, uh, again, similar to something like Undaunted Normandy, but you have a game board and you're moving pieces around based on the cards you're playing. Um, but the the cool thing with hand management in this game is when it comes to how battles work, uh, because battles are played over a certain amount of rounds um, where you have to kind of take cards and put them towards the battle. And so those cards are not available in your hand. And if you're fighting two different battles, one that you initiated and one that your opponent initiated, you have to like be attacking with some cards, defending with some cards. So you have to really not only like balance your deck of the type of cards that you're um, buying and putting into your deck, but then like how much do you want to commit to this battle versus that battle? Um, and it's, it's really good. They're just like, I think even just the deck building in that game is really interesting. Like, Figuring out, in a similar way to Time of Crisis, like figuring out which cards you want to get because you always have access to, like each player has their own stack of cards that they can kind of recruit in. Um, and then there are a couple that are more public that either player can get to, like kind of more neutral cards. Mm -hmm. But so you you have cards that you can just kind of pick up from a stack and say, oh, I want to get this card, if you know, assuming you can afford it. But then again, like I said, when it comes to how the battle system works in that game, mm -hmm. oof, you know, like, do <laughs> I initiate a battle or do I try to, like, commit all these cards to this one battle? So, and it, it's, it, there's, like, lots of mind games because you don't know what your opponent's going to do. And <laughs> uh, it just adds some really cool tension. Um, so I definitely, like, recommend checking out that game, too, if you're into, like, trying to do some of these hybrid war games. Yeah, I, I you will you will see at least one of those on my list later on. But uh, right now, my number four is Arboretum, and Arboretum Woo! Arboretum <laughs> is like the Brazilian tree frog. I think that's the right one. It's this little orange toad, super tiny, gorgeous, just looks wonderful. Its skin has a contact poison that will kill you in two seconds flat. It's like one of the more deadly poisons in the world. I love a game <laughs> that looks beautiful and is absolutely brutal. Gorgeous cards, beautiful mm -hmm. looking. One of the meanest games I've ever seen in my life. It is, and one of the hardest hand management games, puzzles in the world. Invariably, I have a hand of, I can't remember if it's six or eight cards, something like that. I have a hand of cards, and invariably, there will be one, two, three turns in the game when I do not want to get rid of any of them. I don't want, I want all of these cards to stay right here. Because what you're trying to do is the way you get points is by building an arboretum, like putting these cards down into a tableau that creates a kind of uh, a 3D map, right? And if you have, trees of the same kind going in uh, increasing order. They don't have to be directly. So you could, you could have the one, the three, the five, the six, the seven. That would be five points. That would be five points at the end of the game. Only if in your hand you have the highest 
total value of cards of that type. So in order to score anything, you have to hang on to cards that are going to allow you to score anything for them. So it is one of these games where... Uh, having high numbers means I could potentially kill that suit or score that suit. So keeping high cards of p- things other people are playing can be a really awful, awful thing to do and a really great way to play the game. But you also want the low cards so that you can potentially build a long train of cards of a certain suit. But if you start so good. if you start building these these trains of cards and you don't have the high cards to protect that suit, you could be dead in the water already. It is a mean, mean, nasty game. There is no game that looks nicer and more friendly and is really more <laughs> just so mean. Oh, yeah. it is! It is a mugger in a dark alley, it, and it's and it's hand management is fraught with peril and danger and. and so many times it's like, oh my God, am I really going to put this card out there for somebody else to take? I can't believe I'm about to do this. Uh, Arboretum, my number four. Mike. That should be on my list. I oh. love Arboretum. I haven't played it in so long, but oh. oh my goodness. I have to get that out. I have to get it no, out. I've, no, I've never played it. I'd kind of like to play that. Oh, uh, it reminds, so good. It reminds me of that game that we played. It, was, it wasn't Art Deco. It was It was kind of like it. Um, Tom, we didn't want to put the art, artist out there. Oh, 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 modern art. Modern art. Oh, so yeah, good. yeah. Which, which oh, is so also great. See, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a ban here. Um, uh, I, my, my number three is Time of Crisis, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we've talked about it uh, a lot. I, I just, I haven't deeply got. You know, I need more plays. I need to get into the cards. I'm just dying to hit those moments where. I've got a good rotation here. I can do, I can, I can do what I want, or I can react to the to the barbarians here because I bought, I bought the right the the right cards for the situation. I'm still yet to hit that moment, and I, I want to hit it. So that's why I'm putting it in my top five because I think there's the rich decisions there. Um, I want to play with the the variants where the where the um, the marketplace isn't isn't. Uh, is 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 also strategic how you how you get in there and what what's going to be available so i uh, i just um i just think uh, and 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 it's you know it's a it's a card driven you know war game with area control and uh big time and 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 crazy dice rolls <laughs> big time Candace, what's your number three uh, my number three is Mombasa slash Sky Mines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Sky Mines is the new version. Um, but yeah, uh, in Mombasa, you know, everybody I think starts with more or less the same deck of cards and they are action cards. And throughout the game, you can buy different ones and kind of customize your own deck. But when you're playing them, you're kind of committing them to slots on your player board. And after you resolve them, they move above your player board where they're inactive. And each round, you're only ever able to retrieve one of the stacks. So if there's three columns of cards, I think, uh, if I recall, um, you're only going to be able to take one. So the order in which you play them, thinking ahead in which you're going to like discard them, and then you have to decide which stack you want to uh, pull back is just kind of genius to me. And yeah, I, I think it's one of the coolest things 
it is great. It is a great, great design. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I haven't I haven't played the the other one, but the Mombasa definitely has got a very fraught card mechanic. That's that's really tricky. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Uh, my number three was going to be Glory Rome, but I uh, swapped it out uh, because I can't say anything better than what Mike said about it. I'm going to mm-hmm. say Friedrich is my number three. Friedrich, uh, and and you could also put Maria in there, no question about it. The interesting thing about this is that it's just a deck of playing cards. Really, it's like four decks of playing cards. Now, they don't do Jack, Queen, King. They do 11, 12, 13 for that. And they do add one card in that's reserve card. That's a value between 1 and 10, and you can choose what that value is. But to have a war game that is prosecuted by cards, and those (laughs) cards literally are spades, diamonds, hearts, and, and clubs. And the sections of the map have those symbols on them as well. And you can only play that card if your army is in one of those territories is brilliant. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the way that the, the cards are, are played and the way it resolves in the sense that if I am attacking, I have 10 troops and Candace has three troops. Candace is at a minus seven right now. So, and she is in hearts. We're both in hearts. She has to play hearts. <laughs> she looks at her hand and she realizes I only have three hearts. He, but he doesn't know that. I could, I have twelve cards in my hand. I could have eight hearts. He doesn't know that. So, how do I play this? And the reality is, is that in, in, in Friedrich, a lot of the times, the best play would be to play a five or a six and, ret- and retreat then. And you lose. You lose one or two armies by being one or two under. And they get to retreat you one or two spaces based on that. But it keeps your hand size big. And it keeps the subterfuge of what cards you potentially have in the, in the future uh, there. Uh, it's one thing we didn't talk about about hand management, but hand management sometimes can be great for bluffing. Yeah. Right? And bluffing is totally. one of the great aspects of, of hand management games. Absolutely adore it. Absolutely adore Friedrich. And uh, it, it is a hand manager's dream game in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, with that in that scenario, that example you just mentioned, it's like, what if I also have another person initiating a battle in a, a hearts region yep. somewhere else on the map? So, oh, the stress. That's another really good one. Oh man, that's a good one. I've got to try I, that one. Yeah, I had so many, but I I missed this. I missed Arboretum. Oh my goodness! But yeah, these it's are a, it's, a, it's a Shanda I'm that loving. I've not played, Maria. There's or so many great Shanda. Yeah, there's yeah. so many great games of uh, that that use hand management in such a wonderful way. It's one of the best mechanics out there. Mike, what is your number two? I'm going to go for terraforming Mars. Yes, I think I think with with the you know with with the. You know the expansion that gets you going, uh, the prelude uh, that gets you going. It, it's helpful because in the beginning, when we first playing playing, um, you know the the draft, you don't really know what you're getting at, and and uh, but the it's it's a it you're building you're building the deck, you're, you're 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 drafting, then buying your cards, and then you're affecting Mars. Uh, in in a, in meaning in meaningful ways, the three different uh, types of cards, the events, the uh, the 
the blue cards which give you an action each turn if you choose to take it if you can uh build build for that and and the uh crescendo that you can that you can manage um when you really hit your stride um is 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 excellent but uh, you're going to you're going to need to pay through the nose <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah exactly right for, for the for the big for the big you know asteroid uh um and uh and you know creating your cities and uh it's just them- thematically it's cool it's it's easy to, it's you know there's a reason why it's had such you know success um you know you can you can get non gamers and this kind of teaches them you know hand management deck building type games yeah Hundred percent. There's no question that it is a it is a classic of hand management, and that the hand management is the means by which you are going to live or die in your attempt to be the best at terraforming Mars. Candice, what's your uh, what's your number two? Okay, so my number two is dual powers, but it's really every CDG I've ever played. But I'm <laughs> I wanted to bring up dual powers because I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, I played actually Hands in the Sea and Dual Powers with a listener of the pod, Chris, who's become like one of my new uh, wargaming friends. When I on the last episode, I think it was when I said I need people to play war games with. Um, Chris hit me up, and we've been playing periodically, and it's been awesome. But uh, we randomly just pulled Dual Powers off the shelf when we were looking for something quick. I, neither of us had ever played it. We just read the rules, set it up. It's one of these card-driven games, historical, historically based, um, where it plays in under an hour, like really simple rules. But, oh, my goodness, so much tension, so much tension, so much awesomeness. So the cards, um, you, the cards have, they're kind of multi-use cards. Um, but at the beginning of the round, you're going to pick one that you're going to put uh, set aside as your a secret objective location for and, and in that sense you only care about the location on the board whoever has like the most strength there at the end of the round will will score some points so number 1 you're like I don't remember how many cards you have in your hand but you you have to pick one to kind of set aside where you think you're going to be able to win that region um, uh-huh. and your opponent's doing the same thing but then you have this hand of cards and there's a whole, uh, there's a calendar built into this game where every card has a certain amount of days on it that it's going to advance this calendar. Every card has a different like location and different types of actions you can take. So you're like, ah, like I really don't want the calendar to advance here because that's going to give them some kind of advantage possibly. But I need to put people here or move people from here and like. It's really, really cool. The components are are amazing. Um, and I think it's just like a hidden gem, uh, card-driven historical game that can be played in less than an hour. Uh, highly recommend checking it out uh, because, yeah, the, the decisions are amazing. Uh, but, you know, I really could have inserted any card-driven game like Labyrinth. Twilight Struggle, you know, uh, I've because never, I've never played it. Though. I'm give, glad you brought that one up because I've never played. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm happy to uh, teach you sometime like because yeah. I, th- I think you would like it a lot. Oh, it, it's I was I was just stressed every turn in that like that good way. <laughs> like, oh, what do I do? 
But I'm, yeah, dual powers. Check I'm it out. in. Oh I yeah, it's, it's the white and the, it's the struggle of the revolution. Was that the one? Yeah, 1917. Was? Yep. Yeah, 1917. The red and the white. The red and the yeah, white. Red and yep. the whites. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, my number two is about a struggle as well. Um, it is. A, listen, we can't talk about hand management if we don't talk about PAX games. And I'm going to bring up the PAX game that probably, it may not be the best PAX game, but it was the first PAX game, and it is my favorite PAX game. Uh, and it is the most card-driven of the PAX games. PAX Porfiriana, about the Porfirian peace in Mexico before the bloody revolution. Um, mm. It is, it, it is bef- there is no map. There, it is a PAX game that has no map. The only thing it has is a 200 cards in the box and a few really, really super flimsy, embarrassing, tiny poker chip, plastic poker chip pieces and a few cubes. And that's all the game is. And in this game, you know, like all PAX games, there is a market out there where the cards that just came out are going to cost 16 gold and the next are going to cost eight and then four and then two and then one and then free. And, timing when you pick these cards into your hand and saving up the money in order to be able to jump ahead of the queue, jump ahead of people in order to get the cards that you need is a key part of hand management, the acquiring of the cards at the right time. Uh, And what the cards do is very interesting in Pax Porfiriana, right? There are enterprise cards which are going to get you there are black and orange cards. Black are cards that attack a player. Orange are cards that attack one of these enterprises. There are partner cards that give you special abilities. Troop cards that protect your enterprises or can even uh, take money from opponents, right? And then there are headline cards, events that that trigger, that affect all the players, and you can control that. And like with any PAX game, there are four uh, victory point trigger cards, victory condition trigger cards. Uh, that are all going to be based on how many of those types of cards that you have. Is it going to be, are we going to have Porfiriano's peace? And is that going to end the game with the person with the most loyalty? Is U.S. intervention going to end the game? And who has the most outrage? Is martial law going to end the game? Um, it, it is, it's, it's an amazing, amazing Ooh. game. And it is a constant struggle to manage your hand better than the other players to counter the things that they're doing. You literally have to be watching to play it well. You have to be watching and paying attention to every card every person purchases, right? You have to kind of know what cards are in their hand because guess what? If you if you lose track of what people have and what people are doing, invariably that is going to be the thing that is going to crush you. It's an amazing, amazing game. Absolutely love Pax Profiriana. I've only played it once, and I I loved it too. I would love to break that one out again soon. Actually, big time, big time. 100%. Never play that. Need to play. Here we go. The number one, number one Here with the ball. What you got, Mikey? What's your number one? Well, you know, the biggest struggle <laughs> that there ever was. Yep. Was was the Cold War. Yep. Or, or the, that we still seem to be in. Um, <laughs> so there bit. could be an expansion. I have no idea who would, who would be crazy enough to, to do a, uh, to do a home, home, home school, uh, expansion <laughs> and, and their own, their own, uh, cards. But, um, but I'm, I'm, I may, I may know that person. Yeah. Twilight struggle. I mean, just, just the, the, the chess aspect, the, the events, teaching you historic events um 
the the entire map it's 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 the it's the world in crisis not just uh, you know you you got you got every pretty much you know every, everything covered yep. there and and when you you know just for hand management it's when when you use it the the delicate nature of of when is the discard uh, pile going to happen the scoring card what do you have the the bluffing of you don't bluff necessarily with cards, but you may bluff with with your use of the card. Where I'll put a token here. Uh, oh, he might have that. Uh, you know, he might uh, he might have the Middle East scoring card. Uh, but but meanwhile, he's he's building up things and doesn't have a scoring card this round. But beefing things up elsewhere. Yep. Um, just. Just incredible gameplay, incredible, uh, you know, uh, you, you, there's an incredible sort of feeling that, that you that you get um, when you when you when you play uh, play that game and, and, and the use of the cards making when when you figure out a way to make what seemingly is kind of a a not so good card that you've that you've seen a lot and make it make it sing when you can when you can play nasa and uh as the as 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 not your event as the us mm. and coup with it <laughs> yeah. where you play and and what's great about those cards is you can play the event first and then take the act take your take your action oh yeah yeah or or you or you do it vice versa and see what the other player does because when you play uh, another person's event, uh, you're going to give them the power to do that event, and they're going to resolve that when when you decide. So, so Absolute, it's great. Absolute put, classic. Put, put one into Egypt and then coup it with a one, and you could, you know, get a good roll, some random dice, and uh, and you look like a genius. I, I think we've I think we've said it many times on the podcast, but if you haven't played Twilight Struggle, you 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 really should at some point if it's if it's even tangentially interest to your to to the kind of games that you want to play you should absolutely play it it is a masterpiece yeah and you know and i hope maddie won't won't beat me up for not saying agricola because there is some serious you know hand management going on there and some decision making hey 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 no honorable mentions what did we say (laughs) candace what is your number one (laughs) okay uh not an honorable mention, but I'm surprised that we didn't bring it up during when we started Uh-oh. talking about this topic. Uh, like Gloomhaven. Am I losing all line. control? How? <laughs> I just said. But I anyway, said. That's, that's not my that's not my number one. But I was just I, yes. like I had I was like nobody brought it up unless it's Tom's number one. But like how Gloomhaven has those. Uh, double-sided cards. I think that's a really good example of good hand management. Hey, Isaac, Isaac did a great job with Gloomhaven. It has some very interesting hand management aspects to it, for sure. But you asked about my number one. That's what I did. That's and what I said. So I was forced to put these in order, but I <laughs> I, I still agree <laughs> about uh, just card-driven games like Twilight Struggle, Dual Powers are honestly probably my number one, but. I brought this game up a while ago on an episode, and it's uh, Star Wars the card game. Uh, It's the Star Wars LCG, Mm -hmm. because I'm just like, I can't convey, you know, it's an asymmetric game where uh, the light side (laughs) or the Jedi's 
uh, have have uh, one goal, and then the dark side has another goal. But like the cards in your deck, um, there's a whole thing where you can commit cards to the force, but they can't be exhausted, so you can't use them for battle. And then also before you battle, you have to uh, vie for initiative, mm. and there's a whole bluffing thing there because every card has a certain amount of. Uh, it's called like an edge battle, but but it's like, are you going to play that card to kind of try to get initiative? So because if you have the initiative, that's the only way you can win this. Or do you save that card to use it for something else? And I just I, I thought that I think the tension in that game is amazing. And it's actually like kind of inspiring something that I want to uh, design. <laughs> I don't know when I'll get to it, but but anyway, I just think I think that's a really underrated LCG that not many people talk about, but it's super cool. When you brought Star it Wars, up, I, I wanted to tell you. So mm-hmm. let me say this now: I want to play that with you, big time. I really, really, okay. really want to play that with you. I think that's that's high on my list. Asymmetrical card games are my jam, right? Uh, I'm, I'm a yeah. big time uh, netrunner guy, and I, I'm dying to try it. So I gotta try it. My number cool. one, my number one uh, is uh, is uh, less of a card game, more of a board game. But it is it is my pick for the best hand management in a board game, and that is Taj Mahal, the Reiner Knizia classic from two thousand. It has uh, almost everything I just described in the list of uh, in in the other games, the things that I like about them. Not everything, but almost everything. It has. It has the it, it has that factor where bluffing is a big part of the game, right? Because people don't know what you're strong in. Each round of the game, and there's about 13 rounds in the game, we are playing cards to compete to gain up to five different um, rewards in each territory. And the way you get a reward is by playing the symbol that represents that reward and when it comes back around to you, being able to uh, basically fold your hand, having the most of that symbol. So if I play two princesses, and when it comes back around to me, nobody with cards still in play has two princesses or more, I can get out and get that princess reward. And the cool thing about that is that what what ends up happening is is that the person who loses the game is the person who plays lots of cards and walks away with very little. The person who wins the game is oftentimes the hit and run guy that 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 just gets the little reward and gets out. But you can't win the game that way. Occasionally, you're going to have to play for the bigger rewards and you're going to have to time it just right. Um, the cards have different suits and different colors. When you go out, that's when you choose from a tableau of cards to pull back into your hand, to refresh your hand. So choosing when to go out in order to get better cards for the for the next round is a major, major thing. It, it has an ebb and a flow to it, uh, unlike most other games. And Taj Mahal is my top yeah. hand. It's, it's a, that's a good pick. I've never played it. I gotta try it. Oh, oh. Candace, you oh. would love it. You would love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. It sounds awesome, dude. We got so many games to play. I can't. 
I can't wait, guys. This was fantastic. We're running a little late, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna move right through it. But uh, Candace, it is always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. You're just like one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. You're just such a oh, joy. Thanks, Tom. I, thanks, Tom. I mean, even when you're completely wrong about a game like uh, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> I still <laughs> love hearing you talk about it. I do, I do, I do. I you're, appreciate that. You're the best. You're the best. And Mike, I, I think you're, I think you're so. the best, too, with an asterisk once we get you enjoying and loving and Twilight Bob. Imperium and Tank Duel. <laughs> I, I mean, if you have an MK Ultra program or something, maybe. I mean, that, that, could, that could work. Uh, and, and, Mike, thank you for guesting again with us. You are a joy to have as well. Mashing time. I've got for the game sommelier uh, sadly we are not going to be one. able to do the game sommelier <laughs> we are way long so i'm i'm gonna go right to the end ladies and gentlemen we have Sorry, a sommelier yeah what can you do we have a youtube <laughs> channel it is youtube.com for us i for us game brain pod we have a facebook group a discord channel lots of lots of good conversations going on in both of those avenues and please get in those game sommelier request uh, requests because um even though we don't do them very often when we do it's always good to have a backup and a, and a good long list of them that we can choose from. And uh, you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And you can also find Edamar Peleg, who does our incredible graphics there. Uh, you can reach us at email at ga- contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening so much and go play some games with friends. Or make some friends with games. Go game brain.